0: Are you ready to give them the conclusion? Yeah, let's give them a little bit of dilly-dilly. A little bit of malice in the chalice? Well, off to the pit of misery with you. Ah, excellent. So, this is time to dig right into Season 5. Uh, we're doing, uh, this is our Part 3 of Season 5, which is going to include the last portion of Feast for Crows and the beginning part of... A dance with dragons, man. Dance so with
1: dragons. Before yes. we
0: jump into that, I always like to give us like a little update about you know our viewership mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. our subscribes and all that. So guys we've seen a big uptick in subscribes, not only on our YouTube channel, but also on our hosts for our podcast. And so we've been starting to get a lot of reviews too. We've been getting some commentary, which is exactly what we want. We want that interaction with our audience. And so thank you guys. I know we ask, it almost sounds redundant sometimes to like you know like and subscribe and follow us on these areas, but when you do it really helps us in other areas. It helps us to get new equipment, uh, add new wrinkles that we're gonna kind of bring fun things later on, like some of the cards that we kind of threw a quick foreshadow in our last episode <laughs> to you. Chase pulled it out of his hat. He yeah. did it on us, so well he did a little spoiler alert for you. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm throwing in some traps, throwing in some traps. So no, I mean in this this season in and of itself, if you take the books out of it, this season on screen. It was huge enough. Add the books and all the details that go into it, there was no way that we could have fit everything into just two episodes or two parts. We absolutely needed to do a three-part rundown of this season.
1: Yeah, there's no way we could have done this whole thing in two episodes. (laughs) Nothing, no. This is kind of where we were talking about, where we were... A few episodes back, we were like, you know, I'll go up, and then I'll go down again, and then up. Well, what happened was it just kept going up. <laughs> going up and up that's and up. That's really what happened. <laughs> so, but yeah, and then last time, you know, we got to... You know, one of our favorite phrases is malice in the chalice.
0: Yeah, you got to uh, throw it out for the first time, uh, and then you try to throw it out for a second time, and like, that's how it works, so... But, uh, you know, for today... What we want to do, obviously we always give a quick little backstory of where we left off with, and so that way if anyone who's just joining us now, you kind of can pick right up and catch steam with where we're going with to to finish off our Season 5 today. So where we kind of really left off last time was, um, unfortunately, our uh, psychotic friend uh, Ramsey over in Winterfell. Was uh, engaging in some very ungentlemanly like behavior with our beloved lady Sansa Stark. Big <laughs> um, dirty was uh, unfortunate. You never want <laughs> to see that, but we left you guys off on really? that on purpose because it, it's something you know. You, it's that bad taste in your mouth on you know how much this girl's been through. You're wondering when it's going to turn around for her, <laughs> and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, it really.
1: So does. it gets worse. Poor
0: girl, but. Uh, you know, sticking with the Stark family, that kind of leads us into the start of Episode 7, where we're going to take you through the conclusion here. Um, episode 7 starts with uh, Sansa's, uh, you know, bastard brother Jon Snow over in Castle Black. Uh, he decides he's going to leave Castle Black with Tormund to recruit the Wildlings and see if they will help defend the realm, so that way, you know, when, when the, like, the army of the dead comes... You know, they won't add the Wildlings to that army. They want as many people fighting for the living as they can. So, the reason why this is also huge, and we were talking about this ourselves, right. is that Jon Snow just became Lord Commander of Night of the Night's Watch. And all of a sudden, you looking to leave, but not only leave your post, on top of that, you want to go bring people that you just got done fighting in a huge <laughs> battle for, bring them through the Wall. So, it's a big, bold move. On on a couple people's parts here, um, you know, Alistair thorne has got to take command of Castle Black. Jon Snow is going to do what he feels is right, which is just uh, you know we'll we'll talk about you know the very very last episode and right. kind of how everything comes full circle and you know you wonder if the right choices were made, but that's kind of where we we start this episode and then to bring Sansa back into it she tries to get Theon to light that candle in the tower. And Theon, like, like he breaks character of being reek and tries to do that for her because, you know, she fight. he probably feels so bad for all that her family's been through yeah. and the part that he played in it. But he's starting to break through there. They remember, like, certain parts mm-hmm. of him, not just that, as Ramsay's dog, right? You know, right. He's, he's still a real person. <laughs> yeah. So... He gets to like the he goes to the tower to get the candle, and Ramsey's already there, and he tells Ramsey everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, which you know, I hope you guys like Yu-Gi-Oh! A little Easter egg in there for you coming up in a couple weeks. <laughs> <We're> gonna <laughs> throw some uh, some. It's a trap. You got We're some guards yeah. gonna
0: take some people to the shadow realm, right? Yeah, absolutely, but. Uh, you know, back, and it's funny because now we, we bounce from Sansa to kind of, you know, bring it back into where we left off. And we bounce to Jon Snow at Castle Black. Then we bounce back to Sansa. And now we kind of bounce back again to the Night's Watch. But this time it's for, like, a more solemn, um, like, reason. Because Maester Eamon, he passes away. He, he dies. They lay him on, like, you know, the pyre, the funeral pyre. And they're saying all these like you know, Sam, Charlie's saying all these nice things about him. And one thing, Alistair Thorne says, like you know, all your all your friends are leaving, uh, Mister Charlie. Yeah. So you're starting to worry for Sam, like what's going to happen to him and things of that nature. But also, not to just I want to skip over Aemon and not give him the respect he deserves. You guys remember, like Maester Aemon, and we'll talk more about the lineage and the timeline. But Maester Aemon was in line to become the king of Westeros of the he Seven was, Kingdoms. Yeah. So. His passing is a huge, huge blow because, you know, he was one of the very few that were loyal to the original Night's Watch. He's watched how many different Lord Commanders come and go in the Night's Watch, and he's just kind of been a staple there as a maester and as someone for advice that, you know, everyone really goes to, um, you know, when they need it. So, right, you know, Sam used him multiple times. John's gone to him. You know, he was a confidant to mm-hmm. Gior Mormont when he was a Lord Commander, so... Yeah, it was, it's, it, it was a sad uh, little moment uh, seeing him, him pass.
1: Yeah, and we won't go into the history too much because uh, that's going to be more in our summary episode when we kind of talk about more about Fire right. and Blood. Um, but just so people kind of, you know, at least give him the respect, he wasn't just this old guy <laughs> like people <laughs> right. think he was. He was actually heir and Lined at the Throne. And actually at 10, he was actually one of the last dragon riders after Fire and Blood. He actually rode Vagar um which you know actually was uh Aegon the Second's sister <laughs> actually wrote that and then hundreds of years later he was one of the last dragon riders which we'll go into this later he gets in a fight with his uncle Daemon during the whole uh fire and blood and then uh you know they think he's dead and all this stuff and then he winds up joining the night's watch but he has a pretty respectable history and I am telling a story for him right yeah, yeah. And I think the uh, Night's Watch really respected him for what they knew, which is outside of the main Game of Thrones series. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Tune into that. Uh, We are going to have a summary episode after this whole arc. After this arc's done. Yeah, let's just enjoy where we're at for now, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And now to bounce almost back again, back to Winterfell, Ramsay shows Sansa the flayed old lady who was trying to help her so yeah. this old lady who's like you know you have friends in the north like we're here to help like light this candle in the tower Theon goes to do it right and then like he like, tells Ramsey everything and, and Ramsey just happens to know exactly who it was and so he's like kind of walking Sansa around and like playing these mind games with her and he's like oh I almost forgot the reason I brought you out here look what happens to people you know who disappoint me basically and it's just an old lady who's completely flayed this is the first time I think you've seen a fully flayed person like I mean, there was that one at Mo Kalen. He like kind of left his head on too, as well. But this was really, really gruesome for an old lady. Like, yeah, she was a tough old bird. Right. You know, you know, like you know, it was it was really gruesome and, and sad to see someone was just trying to help the old family. So she's losing allies left and right too at Winterfell.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it really puts it in perspective. Um, and then as far as from here, right?
0: Yeah, jumping so to Sir Davos, counseling Sir Stannis. Stannis. that's what I was about to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he keeps telling Stannis, you know, we basically need to stop at this point. You see, Stannis' army is completely starting to be depleted. And from backwards and forward, he really has no way to go. Like, his men are starving, they're malnourished, it's freezing, uh, they're dying of, you know, the cold... Um, and he just wants to keep pursuing, but basically, they don't have the materials to move forward. Mm-hmm. And all he wants to do is just keep moving forward. He says, actually, quote unquote, we can go forward only forward. And it, it shows, just like you were talking about in the last episode, Stannis' mind was only on one thing. He really just wanted to He's be made fair. up.
0: Yeah, yeah, like that was it. There was no talking around. He's like, it is the right time, and I will risk everything.
1: Like he said, yeah. Thinking, exactly, well, you know
0: yeah. what you did—you took a gamble, and we saw. We're going to talk about how it pays off here yeah. shortly. But uh, this is the part, and this is one of the biggest things that kind of upset me. But basically, Melisandra convinces Stannis that he needs to sacrifice Shireen. Like, yeah, like you know, yeah. hey, like you know, I don't have you know Robert's bastard anymore for her, like his blood. And he's like, well, he's not the one with the king's blood that's with us. Yeah. So and,
1: you know, as Melisandre, like. Even in that moment right before she was even questioning Stannis about going forward, she was like, are you sure? And this was kind of the breaking point, I think, she proposes, because they're so depleted at this point. Like, Stannis' army is nothing what it was in Clash of Kings.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, he had to, he He had had to go. He had bought and sell swords from the Iron Bank when they could give him the loan, like, for the money. So, like, it was just, it was so bad all around. Like, he had a really, really good army that was fairly loyal from, uh, you know, taking it over from Renly when he kind of, like, screwed Renly over with the Shadow Stab death, right? Had all of, like, the armies of the people of Westeros. So now, at least they had someone to follow of their own accord. But now, he, like, he had to hire swords from foreign countries with the money that him and Davos were able to get from the Iron Bank. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it ends up biting him later on because, you know, even though he's got a large amount of, of fighters in his troops still... The the issue is is that like they're not all loyal and you'll and we'll kinda of jump into that later on, but for sure. Uh and <laughs> again, you know, while they're still there, that guy Castle Black, the men harass Gilly. The men harass like there's two guys that really like give Gilly a hard time, try to get her to like perform certain uh uh, activities on them and Sam tries his best to like defend yeah, him yeah I said let her yeah. go <laughs> like, yeah. like poor Sam like tries to sit there and defend him and they just knock him silly and like even though he's like bruised beaten and battered because you know Sam he's he's a self-proclaimed coward he's not yeah. a great fighter but he loves this girl so much that they, they couldn't keep him on the ground man he kept getting up, he's like I said let her go. <laughs> he, was, like, he was ready to get some more. And then like, Dude, you, they, they, they're like, oh, so you want us to kill you? Okay. Yeah. And then they start moving forward and then our boy uh, Ghosty, Mr. Ghost, Ghost man. comes in and scares the mess out of them bullies. This like like snarl in this he walks. I imagine this direwolf, the size of a horse, just oh, walking yeah. in and ready to come at you. You're doing, you done doing whatever you thought you were doing that day. Do you realize, Ghost?
1: He always comes in at the most opportune. Every time, times. every right time, right when it's perfect and. It and matters. do you
0: know? I think this is something that I, you know. Just maybe I just of now, but how much? Obviously, that Ghost knew how much Sam meant to John. Yeah. Because Ghost is John's direwolf, but. Ghost saved Sam out in the wilderness when the White Walker was about to get him. He pulled the White Walker away. Like, like, right. some, like yes. Ghost saved Sam then. Ghost save Sam. Uh, they're like, it's, like, it's like Ghost knows that this is my, like, you know, I wouldn't say master because direwolves and the Starks are kind of, like, together, right? So, like, this is, you know, my, my companion's best friend. So, like, he, it's like it right. kind of shows you a level of intelligence that these animals have. So, I thought that was pretty cool. For yeah. sure. Yeah, and no, awesome. you know, After that, it's like Gilly's kind of tending to Sam's wounds a little bit, <laughs> and uh, they get a little busy. Oh, yeah. They this, get a, was, uh, this was that moment. <laughs> underline,
1: you know. they get busy. That's like Sam's vows. So I want you to break them. Yeah, right? No, that was, that yeah. was his moment for
0: that. Which is because you guys remember, like Sam has never been with a woman, so he lost his virginity to Gilly. Um, you know, and like that's the girl that he loved and you know, it didn't matter to Gilly that, you know, he's not physically appealing or he's not a warrior, or he's not brave. Like he just did everything he could to like save her on multiple occasions yeah. and you know, she like it it's goes far beyond all of that superficial stuff, the love that he has for her and you know, they they uh they get, uh um, But she kind of, like, hops on,
1: almost like a person that's sick, <laughs> that, yeah. like, does it when they're sick. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Yeah. Just go and hop on and do... Uh, almost like, uh... I think it's good about it. It was... It, it was
0: <laughs> I think it was the, the emotions in the moment. Like, listen, like, like, I'm taking care of you, but, like, all that you just went through for me, I think it was more, like, an emotions in the moment thing. Like, she... Yeah. She for sure jumped on that, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> jumped yeah, on yeah. that! Like, don't,
1: don't, do, do, do. my pony. Oh, What's that Jump on it! Jump on it! Baby! Jump on it! Jump on it! Go <laughs> so. and jump on it. So. <laughs> yeah, good call, man. For sure. That was a uh, big dirty. Yeah, right. Malison Chalice uh, card. Yeah, every time there's some Malice,
0: yeah. Mal we do a little drinking. <laughs> yeah, hit a <of> misery <laughs> you. with you, Dilly Dilly. Ah, so. Now, we kind of jump over to Jorah Mormont. He gets sold for 20 gold honors. <laughs> and he yeah, has, or yeah. he gets sold for 20 gold honors, which is, like, the currency in, in the slaver cities. And Tyrion kind of talks and fights his way into the sale, too. He's like, I'm oh, a great one to all laugh at it. And yeah, then he, like, no. beats the guy down the chain. He's like, I'll take the dwarf. He's funny. Yeah. Like, like a little penny and uh you know Jenny's like well you know you have to pay us a wage and he smacked him in the face and yeah. game came up that thing he's like there's your wage right <laughs> there's your wage
1: and But then we gotta jump over to Darius. and big dirty yeah Damn, He'd, playing some D and D over yeah, here. Yeah, they were playing some Dario <laughs> and Danny, right? But, Dungeons uh, and Danny. They oh, they, they, they were thing.
0: naked, and, and
1: Dario <laughs> was a little
0: jealous. You <laughs> said Danny got yeah. naked. They were naked, the they were, they were naked together underneath the sheets. Dungeon. They were in the
1: sheets. And,
0: uh, Dario was jealous of his like her marriage to like uh, his daughter, the Dordorak. Like. He's like, do you think I'm kind of get jealous or something? She's like, yes, but yeah. like, well, you're absolutely right. But uh, I think this was. I the think first, this is. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, sorry. No, after you, I was gonna say, Danny enjoyed herself. You saw the whole blonde double <laughs> hair. I I with <laughs> that,
0: but you know what? I was looking in her eyes, and the way that you could see Dario was in love with her. I yeah, think this is know, the first time true. you realize that Danny isn't in love with Dario. I think you're right. Dude, yeah, you see in her eyes, like she's like she was pleased by like the yeah. actions. But, like, she just didn't feel the way... Like, you could see it, like, she was kind of... Not that she was ashamed. She's like, man, like, I could see it in her face that I was just like, I don't think that she's... And that's the first moment I think I realized, you know, she's
1: not in love with him. Well, here's the thing. I think it was more of, like, those... You know how, like, a girl in the club will find, like, uh, some super hot guy to have a fling with for a while? Well, like, Dario always talked about, you know, how skilled he was in combat and stuff. And I don't think she was really ever... You know, in love with that, as far as just attractive with that, because it was attractive to her. But as far as, like, in love with someone who's filled with combat, like, what else does that really bring to the table that she cares for?
0: Yeah, the thing is, like, when we're going to talk about later, like, he's super intelligent. He's got a good leadership mind. But I just, sometimes you just know, you just don't feel it. You know, I think that's what it was. I think she was trying to replace him with, like, Ford Khal Drogo, you know, because Khal Drogo was a great warrior. You know, yeah. and like, he, he was a great leader, um, you know, so it was like almost like she was trying to play something and it just, he just wasn't filling that hole. That's right. Really like, and, you know, and I think that's the moment she kind of realized it because you could see how like his, like he had like the brightness and the stars in his eyes and like talking about how like much like, you know, he was into it and you saw her, like she was just like, she was like doing that small smirk thing, trying to like, you know, placate him. But I think deep down she realized in that moment that she doesn't love him.
1: Yeah, and you know I'm a big quotes guy. I think it starts to turn away. Dario is almost like trying to impress her after she, you know, talked about, you know, the fighting pits that, uh, as far as opening those back up. And he says, on the day day of the great games, gather all the great names and masters you can find and slaughter them all. And she responds and kind of is taken aback by the whole thing and dumbfounded because I think she starts to think, you know, the person I'm supposed to be in love with isn't that vile, like isn't supposed to be that that cruel and she says, I'm a queen, not a butcher. All those rules are either butchers or meat. And she's it, it's yeah. it's it's very contradictory here too, because you see her foreshadowing from so long, but you also see she really starts to fight this rage. Almost like how you had Anakin for so long that was trained by Obi Wan that fought against what he wound up becoming. Um, so I think that's really what winds up turning Danny off of this whole situation. And I agree with
0: you, dude. hundred percent, agree. Uh, and so it was because we both like Derry. He's a good guy, but you know, it, it, it's so strange because of how well he was. He used to counsel her and tell her, like, you know, really. Good advice, like that was terrible advice. You know, and even Barristan Selmy was trying to re- counsel restraint. Like all of, like you know, all the wiser ones, like like Jorah was like counseling restraint, like hey, we should wait to take Westeros until like, you're completely right. ready. And Barristan Selmy's like, hey, you can't just go back to and ask kind assapor and massacre everybody. Like that doesn't make you. That makes you just as bad as your dad, thinking mm-hmm. you're right and everyone else is wrong. Like, and now like she's getting Dario, like and like trying to think on it. He's just thinking he's going to impress her by like, hey, just take it all out, right? right? Yeah. So no, I'm 100% with you there, but. While this is going on, over in um, Westeros and King's Landing, uh, the High Sparrow and Lady Olenna have, have a couple words back and forth. And this is, this is one of the most quotable seasons that, that I would have. So I actually kept, uh, I wrote a quote down myself. So Olena tries to He's like, what does he want? You want gold? I'll make you the richest Septon that ever lived. And the High Sparrow responds, I imagine this is strange for you. Everyone you meet has a hidden motive, and you pride yourself on sniffing it out. But I'm telling you a simple truth. I serve the gods. Right. So like that, like like straight up. What do you do at that point? Now I think this is the part where uh, the viewers start to realize, dude, this guy's a problem mm-hmm. because like, he can't be bought. Like he's already they undermining Cersei. Now he's uh, you know he's put Olenna in her place too, and like these are two of the most powerful women in the country. Yeah. So like it, it was really really interesting to start seeing a little bit um, about their like how he really conducts his business and how it really is. You know what? I, like. He's that much of a fanatic. He truly believes in everything that he does and it's all for the gods.
1: Right. Yeah. Actually, I thought that was an excellent quote. Um, one thing he does say, he says, that is very powerful at this point because you realize it's not just him you're going up against here. You're going up against a whole religion. He says, you are the few and we are the many. Yeah. Many stopped fearing the few.
0: He's like, he's like, yeah. What are you gonna do when the many he stop fearing the few? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's crazy. It, it's uh, one of those one of those real. That's a good quote that that to, to end their little interaction on actually, and where that takes us to is kind of on the Dorner ship, where Jamie and Marcella. Well, not even on the ship yet. Like they they talk kind of like together in that room, and they have that like interaction where, hey, I'm taking you there, and, and Marcel is like, genuinely happy, like, she, like, it was one of the weird arranged marriages, to put it how Jamie put it, it's like, arranged marriages are so rarely this well arranged, <laughs> like, it's exactly how it's, it's like, you know, it barely ever works out this way, so, you know, she's like, I'm not leaving Dorman, staying right here, like, I, I love him, and so Jamie's kind of get a loss of, like, what to do, and while this is going on... Bran is down in the dungeons there, kind of going back and forth with the jaws with the uh, right. sand snakes, you know, and like the the, the, the young one, Taeen is starting to say, "I'm the most beautiful woman in the world," and Bran is like, "I don't know about that. There's a lot of beautiful women out there." She's like, "I'm not the most beautiful." He's like, "Well, there's, there's like I said, you know, in Westeros, there are many women." He's like, "What?" She goes, "Name one woman more beautiful than me." And then he starts kind of kind of getting woozy because, like, she asks about his, how's your how's your <laughs> arm a couple times. And he's like, it's fine. He's like, oh, you're really worried about it, huh? And, like, yeah. So this is, like, this whole, like, interactions going on. Like, they're being snarky back and forth in the interaction. And then when he starts trying to think about who's more beautiful than her, just trying to, trying to give her, like, a hard time, he starts realizing his head's getting a little woozy. And he's starting yeah. to, like, get a little, whoa, what's going on? And uh, he's been poisoned with what's called the long farewell. And the long farewell is, like, you know, it takes a while. It's like it takes a while. It's almost like the poison. It takes a while to kick into the bloodstream. So, like while they got, he got like slashed in the arm when they had that little um, spat with them in the courtyard before they got like sent to the dungeons by uh, Prince Duran's people. He got he got cut by her blade, and the, yeah. it was laced with the long farewell, and he starts. And she makes him say that. She goes, who's the most beautiful woman in the world? And he's like, you. <laughs> you are. And he throws, of the, throws yeah. the antidote, and he, he drinks, and he's all good. And he, That was the first time I've ever seen Braun really outsmarted or outwitted. Yeah, out like great. outwitted. Was awesome. It was, was super, cool. super cool. And the, as, like, as she was doing all that, he, she was taking off her clothes, dude.
1: <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. That was something. Seen. That
0: was... That was something.
1: Even worse was, remember her sister was sitting here watching her doing it the whole time. Like, as she's stripping off her clothes in front of the bars, in front of Braun, which makes you wonder, right? Do you think she was messing with Braun the whole time or do you think she liked it? Oh, I think both. Dude. I think she liked it. I, I, yeah. I think
0: it was both cuz remember like the thing that she says in his ear before they leave on the ship? Yeah. Like I, I don't want to ruin it cuz they have it coming up later on, but she she gets a little graphic with her words there. Like, yeah, wants exactly. a good girl, but she I'm not going to say it yet. I exactly. thought I was going to <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, from there, I mean, uh, the, this at this point Baelish is back in King's Landing, he meets with Olenna, and, like, they kind of talk about how they both had a part in Joffrey's thing, she's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I've got no need for silence if anything were to, to happen, and, you know, so... Right, it's just, oh,
1: most definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, very, very, very strange interaction between those two because, like, they went from, like, mutual, they had a mutual agreement, so not quite friends, but they had a mutual agreement, hey, we're going to take Joffrey out. Yeah, And now, like, all these out. things are coming up with the High Sparrow, Tywin's gone, and it, it's almost like everyone's in a scramble for power now, because there's an opportunity for it. So now they're, they, they had a kind of frosty encounter with each other. Yeah, yeah, they really did. Yeah. And now uh, that kind of takes us back to over in Essos with uh, Jorah, the, <laughs> the old, old man. Remember like they all like were waiting for Danny to clap and she claps and they start fighting and then Jorah sees her like through like the thing and he just grabs the sword and he goes out there and the slave that took like the slaver that took him captive is like, hey, he's like, he's like and he like, knocks him out he goes in there and, and he fights them all off without killing anyone because like she could see how disgusted she was by the death in front of her. Right. So if you guys remember the first time he fought in front of her, he knocked everyone down and out without killing them
1: mm-hmm. and
0: she was so impressed by that and then she's like, she's like, who is this guy? And he rips off his helmet, and it's it Jorah.
1: She had no idea. She like, she was so like, it was awesome. And I think that part really brought up a lot of memories for Danny. Emotions like, and geez. memories
0: and, like, it's like, dude, this guy loves you this much, he's willing to die in the slaver's pit just to, like, earn your favor yeah. again.
1: And I remember what's-his-face. I always say Hazdagar or whatever his name was. Uh, his Yeah, Hisghar Dolorak. guard Dolorak. Yeah, he starts to say something and Dario says, you shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was pretty impactful at the yeah. time. And... All she does, she doesn't even say anything. Nope. She's so astounded. All you hear is,
0: Yeah, that's like, starts. yeah. And so he put, puts that off there. It was very, very crazy because, like, she's like, Get him out of my sight, is what she said. Right. She said, like, Get him out of my sight. And as, like, they're trying to remove him, Tyrion comes out. He like he gets, like, the, he gets, uh, he had the chains on, and that big guy threw yeah. the axe down and lets him out of the chains. Yeah. And so Tyrion comes out. He's like, Because she tells I brought you a gift, and, and she's like, I don't care. And he's like, I'm the. G-. He's like, I am the gift. <laughs> he's like, I he's am the gift. <laughs> he walks yeah, out there, he's yeah. like, the, who, like see, it's me. She's like, who are you? He's like, I am the gift. <laughs> and she like, and Tyrion introduced himself to Daenerys, that uh, you know, I'm Tyrion of House Lannister. So that's when you first, you know, see the future uh, team up between Tyrion and Danny kind of materialize. Yeah, that's right. It's so funny. Like Tyrion really does play the g- the game of politics really, really right? well. Yeah. yeah. Like he like he's super super confident in playing the whole the whole game and charade with everyone. Because, like, even in a little bit farther, I will say it because I know I don't... I, I just think it's super important. Even when, like, they took them to the side and they had counsel in front of Daenerys, like... He, she's like, why should I let you join me? He's like, well, like, why should I let you into my service? He's like, well, how do I know you even deserve my service? He's yeah, exactly. so like, are you kidding yeah. me? You were just yeah. in the slavers' fit? Like, like what in the world? Yeah. Like it's so. It was just. It was super super cool that you know this is like that was their first interaction. It was perfect the way it was portrayed. You know from you know on screen there it was it was beautiful.
1: Well, I mean it was great everything Tyrion was saying because it made her really question everything. Almost like someone that was brought into an interview and is questioning you back. Like, do you even know what you're talking about, sort of thing.
0: Right. And, like, this is not only that, but you have to realize, like, the Lannisters are her sworn enemy. Right? right? So, like, not only is like, an interview, it's, like, an interview with, like, someone
1: that you're not supposed to like at all. Right. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Like, it's so crazy.
1: And I remember, she's like, well, if you're my... You know, if you're my hand, what would you do with him? And referring to Jordan? right? And he
0: kind of gives him the whole one He's like,
1: "Well, you should probably you know, execute him." Well, I wouldn't do that because I mean, he's, he's there's a lot of good quotes
0: for that. I want to I want to touch that in de- in depth because that comes up in a little bit. I want to touch because I, I wrote down the three quotes for that. It awesome. was super super important because okay. it kind of it really sets the tone for what happens next. The next going on in the fighting pits, yeah, awesome. but um. And after that, you know, Cersei kind of taunts Marjorie in the black cell, yeah. brings her like right. the venison, and pretends to be like on her side, like, yeah. you're like you're a hateful bitch, and like, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah, throws the venison thing, and like Cersei thinks like she's got one up on her, not knowing that. Uh, She's about to get uh, yeah, the treatment coming. too. So, dude, yeah. karma, karma works karma in the, in the, the around, movies man. just like it does in the karma real comes world. Around. Comes around. You can't uh, yeah. be treating people like that because the, the at that point in time, uh, she goes and sees the high the high Sparrow, and then Lonsal appears, and they imprison oh, oh, yeah. Cersei. And he's, he what did what did the high Sparrow say? He's like, I know somebody and he has a lot to say about you and oh, that's yeah. how that
1: great. and like,
0: like them pulling her into the the cell is kind of like how episode 7
1: concludes it makes me think of that Justin Timberlake song who goes around, comes around, yeah. comes around. 100%. Around.
0: Justin, <laughs> oh, so off topic, Justin Timberlake has been relevant for yeah, so man. long. I mean, like, literally from the 90s until the early 2000s to, like, even now. It's just, it's amazing how long he's been able to keep his career going. But, dude, that just
1: yeah, yeah, kind of went off on left field there. <laughs> no, what was the one, Crimea River? The damage is done, so I guess I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just crazy, man. man. But, uh, very yeah. sad about that. Halftime show he gave, but I'm always a JT fan. I
0: thought it was, uh, see, like, I think that's more propaganda, people's popular opinion, because I thought this halftime show was fine.
1: Oh, I I thought you did a good job. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that kept cutting out on him. Yeah, JT's the man, dude. Ever since Insync, he was Insync. Yeah. Like,
0: Raymond Noodlehead, right? So, yeah.
1: Joey Vertola, you're awesome. <laughs> Live in Orlando here with us. Let's so. run let's back into that
0: the Game of Thrones, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. We
1: just like, oh uh, yeah, man. We get that
0: sometimes. Yeah. But uh, by the yeah. way, anyway,
1: left field, real quick, but just this two seconds. So, actually, it has been proposed that NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys go on tour together. If Justin Timberlake joined that tour, do you know how sold out that would be?
0: Dude, it'd be the biggest sold in out minutes. event. It, yeah. Minutes. It, that'd be crazy. Minutes.
1: It'd be insane. Yeah, anyways, okay, so going back to the High Scepter here. Well, yeah, I mean, well, what
0: kind of the, the High Sparrow. The High Scepter's already in the black cells for like. Sorry, High yeah, yeah, so the High Sparrow's in, the, in prison, Cersei. That's how episode seven concludes, and episode eight is where Tyrion and Daenerys are really... like That opens up with them sizing each other up, right? So Danny asked Tyrion exactly what he asked. He said, what should I do about Jorah? And so he's like, what did he tell her? The the, the quotes are, you know, a ruler who kills those who are devoted to her is not a ruler who inspires devotion. And you're going to need to inspire devotion, a lot of it, if you're ever going to rule across a narrow sea. So that was like a big full thing there. So obviously, you know, killing him was out of the question. But it's funny. It's like he's like he's very devoted to you, and he's in love with you. I think like he, he right, just flat yeah. out said that in front of the whole world. You just you just met this girl. Like Tyrian Tyrion's such a little badass for like like how like his stature and being a dwarf. Like he he really does act like he should be there with everybody else, which he absolutely mm-hmm. should. But like yep. he holds no worries about like how other people perceive him. He doesn't care. Like like he's gonna be himself, and I really love that. Yep. And so uh, that ends up happening is uh, you know he he's like, you're gonna need that, but he cannot like when you cross the sea, but uh, he cannot be with you when you do it. Yep. So she removes Jorah from the city the second time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> time number two. And then you start to see, because he pulls his shirt up again, you start to see his grayscale mark is growing a little bit. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's excellent. And, you know, that brings us into Arya, Silver with uh, my my favorite name of, for them is the Faceless Academy. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs>
1: she's getting sent to sell
0: oysters, clams, and cockles. <laughs>
1: <So, laughs> <Clans laughs> Why you said that? Because that kind of reminds me of ships. Right, yeah. So I forgot to tell you, Amon. Right? He was actually raised as a ship boy at first, and then at ten. So remember when we always talked about Balaron going back? Valerion. Valerion. I yeah. always say the, the, the name wrong. the right. black, so, Balerion died at ninety-four, and remember, I told you, Aemon actually—he was really the youngest of the Targaryens. He was about ten when he started riding, mm-hmm. so he took over Vagar, who was actually his older sister's dragon, because Baileron was ninety-four at the time. And uh, he' was too, too long and to fly anymore. Yeah, but not so good. I just thought that was pretty cool that I came across. Uh, but, yeah, just funny how that goes into But, oysters, oh, clams and cuckles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so she's got to, like,
0: kind of get an idea of the uh, schedule of a guy named, they call him the Gambler and the Thin Man. They call him, like, both, like, everyone's, like, go switching back and forth between the names. So she's meant to, like, poison him. So she's, but like, she's not going to do it yet. She's got to learn a little bit about him, like, his movements. He's, like, actually, he, like, Jack Nagar tells her, a girl must know everything about him, all his movements and, like, what he does throughout the day. And so, like, she ends up, and like, like, she knows what she's going to have to do, but while she's kind of, like, doing it, like, now, like, thinking about it, um, that, that, on, in King's Landing, Maeser cell because Cersei is now in the Black, like, is now in the dungeons too in the Black Cell, there's no one uh, over like, overseeing the small council. So you got to remember old Grand Maeser Pycelle, like, the, the wheezing one that Tyrion cut his beard off, and, like... Just completely like useless guy at this point, like oh, dying but still alive. He's basically residing over the small council. He brings Kevin Lannister back um, from Casterly Rock. So it's just interesting that you know every they, they talk about the wheel. You know, oh, it's uh, you know, it's, it's everyone. It's a beautiful That's dream. That, or, yeah. You know, you know, trying to stop the wheel, and then he's like, well, I gonna no, break I'm wheels. not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. But even this kind of wheel, over this, like, who's kind of in control of what's going on now because my maester press is the Grand Maester still even though Cersei goes to Kybern for all like the maester needs at this point it's just a, oh and this is like this is a real call big callback this kind of goes back to the very beginning I don't think I mentioned this in the first part of our little season five here but Cersei was super okay with Sir Gregor dying in the books like she's like, the, he, she goes, yeah, he's, he's bothering my son. Like yeah. he screams in the thing. Like and Tywin has to like kind of almost like plead with her, like, hey, listen, no, listen, like I'll take him down to the, the dungeons, but I, I think I can, I think I can save him. Like and Cersei's like, well, just put him out of his misery. Like she didn't care about saving okay. him. Where in the in the TV series she was super like, no, like, well, if you think you can save him, do everything you can. Right? Yeah, was so, she like, was. It's so strange how how different that was, and I don't understand like the super contrast, but. That was just because I mentioned Kyburn, but, um, you know, so now he's got some part of the small council, and um, I thought it was interesting that he brought Kevin Lannister back, because you guys remember Kevin Lannister, he turned down um, the the offer, really, the ask from Cersei, she asked him to be uh, the master of war on the small council, where in the books, again, it was he asked to be, she asked him to be king, but... Uh, he left back to Castle Rock, but Grandmaster Pycelle brings him back in now because they realize he's they're going to need him to kind of rule over things while Cersei's right, in the dungeon, yeah. Queen Marjorie's in the dungeon. Tommen's nine years old, like Tommen's like nine. like straight up, like this yeah. is, this this kingdom is in shambles right now. Like they're trying to yeah. put this together, they're trying to like you know by the skin of their ass, man, trying to make this thing work.
1: He was like, a little older than nine in the show, right?
0: <laughs> Hopefully older than nine, but it's just that's that's the age, man, and. You know, yeah. now, while we're kind of going through that, back in Winterfell, Sansa and Theon have an interaction, and Sansa pushes Theon to the point of confessing that, because, like, they're just two farm boys. Right. She, told, he, he, like, she pushes him to the point, no, they were your brothers, you did this, like, they're not just those boys. Like, they just, were your brothers, Theon! Just, like, really gone. And he's like, they weren't, they weren't. And then he finally tells him that now, because, like, and I think it was a big moment because she thought she was all alone as a Stark. Like, for her, Rob's dead for sure. Catelyn's dead. She assumes Arya's dead. Jon Snow is like, yeah. only her partial brother who's in Castle Black. He's never coming back. So she thinks she's the only Stark still alive. Brandon Recon being dead, too. Now she finds out that Recon and Bran are still alive. I think that gives her a new re-vigor of hope a little bit. Yes. Oh, so yeah, really. I think that really yeah. kind of sparks like a like a little adrenaline shot into her. Man. Yeah, oh, so, definitely. Yeah, man. And
1: then we kind of get, you know, that quote you were talking about. Yeah,
0: really Ramsey um, says it. Yeah. Super good quote. Go for it, brother. Let's see. Hold on one minute. Because, uh... I got it. You want me to Yeah, you want to say the quote real quick? Absolutely. My notes real quick. So... Basically, uh, Roose Bolton and Ramsay are talking strategy right now for when, um, they're gonna, like, when Stannis is gonna try to take Winterfell. And, basically, Ramsay, what Ramsay wants to do is he wants to kind of attack first. And Roose Bolton kind of misunderstands, is, like, basically treating him like an idiot. Like, dude, like, we have, like, the highest walls, the, like, the advantage is us if we just wait for him to try to fight out this storm and attack, like, we're not gonna hit him first. And Ramsey said, no, we need to hit first, hit hard, and leave a feast for the crows. That was right, yeah. That's hit sick. first, hit hard, and leave a feast for the crows. Like I said, every single uh, season has a little, like, wink to the books, like, that mentions the name of the books there. And so, after that, Ram- Ramsey's like, listen, like, I don't need an army. Give me 20 good men. That's a really, yeah. really cool little quote there. Like, that, he's so confident in himself,
1: and he just knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. So. So intellectual, it's. It's amazing. Uh, by the way, that quote you uh, we brought up earlier, like, spokes on a wheel.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah kind of, we kind of jumped the gun on that one. Yeah. Oh, bit. no, you yeah.
1: Just to bring this up because this is such a famous quote for the show. Um, remember, she says, uh, you know, the House of Lannisters, the House of Boltons, they're all spokes on a wheel. This one's on top, this one's on top, crushing the other one, and it goes on the ground. And around and around it spins. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel.
0: Yeah. but You also miss like Tyrion's quote in there, too. He's like, it's, it's a nice dream, wanting to stop the wheel. Yeah. And that's when she hits him with, I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm, gonna the I'm wheel. going to break
1: the wheel. I'm yeah. going to break the wheel. Well, she, she did that. You know, <laughs> right? By the way, left field real quick. Uh, Jorah Mormont's history, I thought I'd tell you a little bit of that real quick. Just these five topics real quick. So if people could actually give him the respect he has. He's just gotten old at this point. But this guy was in the Siege of Pike. he was in the Greyjoy Rebellion, he was knighted by Robert Baratheon during Robert's Rebellion, he joined the Night's Watch, which a lot of people don't know, um, and then actually after that, that, after that, um, he actually was mentioned by the Dothrakis um, as being, like, basically, uh, They called him a descendant of the Andals, but he was, like, really highly respected. So this guy, speaking of, like, just since we were talking to Danny, like, he wasn't just a little bitch, like, in the fighting pits, like, originally. So I think that's part of it. Like, going back to him, like, wanting to fight for her, I think he still thinks he's where he was you know, 50 thirty years ago. ago, twenty years ago, yeah. But
0: you know, so you that jumps like right, right back is. in. Like I mean, that that's not too far off topic because I kind of what we're going into now is where he goes back into the fighting pits again, um, to to fight for her. Um, but what I will say about Jorah is he's he's blind not nah, I'm saying blindly because he's kind of seen everything through it, but he's gone through it. how much has he gone through? Right, he had uh, a wife who basically bankrupted him, like, broke his heart to where he had to, like, sell people into slavery, which was against the law. He got banished from his own thing, lost all his inheritance as House of, like, House Mormont is a major northern house. He, like, gave up his entire inheritance um, for everything, like, like, just to try to make ends meet to make money again because he goes bankrupt by his wife who left him anyways. So now he's got to go into like Essos, which is a, a completely foreign country. He doesn't speak the language. He earns the respect of the Dothraki who are just savages, really. Like, well, imagine they like, just, you know, go imagine being, you know, someone in America, like a teenager, not, maybe not even a teenager, maybe someone in their mid-20s going to the streets of Russia and just earning like Russian street fighters respect. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, that's like, you know, that's like, it's really, really important to see. I like the point they brought up about Jorah, like where he's all come from and how he's earned the respect from everybody around and how great of a fighter he really is. You know, he's he's a knighted, he's a knight from the Seven Kingdoms, and he he's earned that title. And so to kind of reel us back into where we are right now, he goes back to the slaver and tells him, listen, I'll make you a rich red I And mean, he's like, dude, you struck me. He's like, well, flog me if you want. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. I don't but care. like, just put a sword in my hand right. and I'll make you rich. Like, I'm getting back in the damn pits. <laughs> so, like, it, it was pretty cool, man. And, uh, and this is where things start to change a little bit between the books and the TV series because Jon Snow arrives at Hardhome with Tormund where in the books, Jon Snow never was at Hardhome. All yeah. you hear about in the books is that there's something terrible happened at Hard Home, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. So this thing, this is one of the small things that Benninghoff and Weiss did that was completely off script. That was super badass. That, that captivated awesome. me, and I think all the rest of the audiences too, right? Yeah. So, so. I, but I will say, like, not one of the things I'm completely sick of. And I know it's not anyone's complete fault. But there's so many actor changes for like same, same characters, like. For example, when he, they arrive at hard home, the Lord of Bones, it's a completely different actor than who was the Lord of Bones when they took Jon Snow prisoner back in season you know, two, right? So, very, very frustrating to me to have all these actors changing. I know it's only for a short amount of time because he pissed Tormund off and Tormund like, bashed his brains <laughs> in, basically. Right. But, yeah. e- either way, uh, they, Jon Snow tries to convince the wall to come past the wall and join them. Tormund really kind of backs him up and... Uh, this is a quote from Jon Snow that I love. He said, The long night is coming, and the dead come with it. That yeah. was such a badass that quote. That like, awesome. And one, really more, one more thing before I turn over to Chase to kind of speak his piece on this. I wrote this down because if you guys know we do all sorts of you know fantasy uh, breakdowns. And remember how in The Mandalorian, what's their biggest saying? This is the way. This is the way. torment is the first person to say that and it was in Game of Thrones and it was in season five. <laughs> this is the way. So this is basically she the girl her name is Carcy, the girl that I was talking about earlier who I, right. I wish she didn't die ended up dying at at Hard Home. She goes Who
1: gave you the order? <laughs> Not that
0: one. No. <laughs> no, Carcy is the, is the one that had the kids that gave, like, hey will they be safe behind the wall, like is they're gonna they're gonna follow your orders or what. Yeah. But anyway, she goes, I trust you, torment If you say this is the way We're with you. Tormund looks around. He says, this is the way. So Tormund is the one who really coined the the, the phrase, this is the way, guys. So just a little thing there for you that you're following all our ones. I just wanted to uh, to put that out there. But Chase, I'll bring that over to you. What are your thoughts on what's going on with Jon Snow and Hardum at this time?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, it was a little bit different from the books. Right, get into that a little bit. Yeah, as far as the books go, uh, so a lot of people don't know this didn't happen with John there. Yep. Like John actually was never there in the books. It was actually all told through his story. Um, so it actually was, it was basically like four parts is the way it was kind of broken down. Um, so John sent a wildling, uh, his name is Snug. He's not really an important character. But they were going to find this other wildling called Val. And uh, while they're on this mission, they were finding recruits in the haunted forest. And as they're in the haunted forest, they actually discover Woo-Woo, who is the giant that you actually see at Home. Mm. You know, he's throwing off, Yeah. yeah. you know, all the... Yeah, the one that walks we'll through the lake, right. like,
0: waist deep. Exactly.
1: <laughs> like the one you cannot forget, right? Yeah. The badass that he is. Um, and he's telling them this story on how they were completely surrounded by whites. Um, and they actually, it was Woo that went to go rescue another, uh, another person who is actually called Cattery, uh, Cattery Pike. Um, but basically, who actually doesn't, you know, they don't really talk about this show at all. But John and Tormund, actually both of them, neither one of them were actually there at all in the books. Um, but the plan was basically what happened was John and Tormund were going to go with Wu Wu to rescue, uh, Kattery Pike, which is where all this happened, but they got interrupted on a mission and wound up staying over by the wall. Um, and then, you know, basically Wu Wu took a group of wildlings at the time to go towards Hardhome and it's actually, they get completely surrounded as he's told him this, and all this gets confirmed when Cattery Pike does get rescued, but he sends the message to John after they're rescued about what happens. Um, but the Which is super story, interesting, dude. Yeah. Like, like, some, like, the army
0: of the dead don't keep anyone hostage. So what's up with the Cattery Pike deal? Like...
1: Um, I mean... Basically, they were just... Like, Hardhome was... A long ways away with The Well, I'm, I'm like just saying, there. like,
0: like, uh, like, Trapped there was, like, how did they not get to him? How did the whites not get to him? And, like, you know, I don't know. That kind of confuses me a yeah. little bit. You know, maybe I'll have to go back and do some more in-depth reading on it. But it's a, it's a little strange how, especially how, I think maybe we're, it, it's tough because of how it was portrayed on film that we saw. Like, they just ate everything in hard. Oh, no, everything. <laughs> like, they, <laughs> they, they messed it all and up. And I
1: like the way they portrayed it. Yeah. Because, it, and keep in mind... A lot of people keep forgetting the Night King didn't exist in this. This was just a bunch of whites. The Night King doesn't actually exist in the books, as far as we know. As far as we know. Right? If we'll ever get there. But, Um, yeah, dude.
0: One thing I want to mention, too, and why it's so important that we saw this whole thing with Jon and Tormund on screen... It's because we, we find out there's another weapon that can kill uh, right. like yeah.
1: White Walkers. So it's super important that they put that on there. It really is. And, you know, you want to go out and describe what happens in the show?
0: Yeah, and in the show, the wildlings they have yeah. to fight the, the army of the dead. The Night King arrive at Hardhome, and the wildlings have to fight the army of the dead. It was so sad because these people had to close this door on their own people. Like, no, listen, dude, they're coming. Like, if you get don't yeah. get through, you don't get through. Like, we ain't even worried about it. Like, they shut them all out, and they start banging through the defense door. They're, they're shooting at them. It's like a full all-out war and a battle that no one was expecting to have. Like, they're just chilling. Now, imagine Everybody. if Torment and John didn't get to to Hardhome. Like, in time. They would show up there, and it would just be an army of the dead waiting for them. The would like, be done. It would all be done. There'd be
1: no wildlings. Yeah, land.
0: zero of them. And that would have... That's a whole nother. Uh, the worst would have come true for, you know, Castle Black is now the army of the dead have added the wildlings to it, and they've got no help, because they only got 50 men. Yep. Remember, at Castle Black, like, though well, there's only 50 sworn brothers, the rest are all Stannis' army, right? So, dude, they, they, they start going back and forth, um... Uh... Uh, this is where I think it's really cool too. This is where you really see Jon Snow, uh, outside of his, his uh, leadership at the fight for Castle Black, how he just has this aura of command and people respond to him. Even these wildlings who hated him 10 minutes ago, like they just respond to his He's leadership. Lying. It was the craziest thing. Uh, you know, he could have gone on a ship. Like, I think that's where you earned the respect. He could have yeah. gotten a the ship and bounced his butt out of there. I'm the Lord Commander of the Night's nice Watch. They need me. But he's like, nah, dude. I'm staying and fighting. I'm staying and fighting. Yeah. And, you know, the, to, to that quote we were talking about, that was we were talking about with that girl, she, uh, Carcy, she takes her two children and puts them on a the boat. She's like, Listen, I put my children on the boat. Are they gonna go? At, are they gonna let them through? He's like, You have my word. I've given orders. And she turns to him she's like, I don't think you're gonna be around to enforce those orders. Yeah. Like, that was crazy. Like, that they all were prepared to die right then yeah, and there because literally. they saw what was happening. Like, it was a massacre for the most part. They're fighting back the best they could. And, um,
1: that's what it was. Yeah. And I like how you brought up John's command because remember he was telling. You know, he's like, women and children, get on the ships. Like, he was telling them what to do. Yeah. And they were just responding to it. Whereas before, remember, when he went into the camp, uh, Tormund had to convince them yep. to give leadership. Like, he was like, you know, that was John that put the arrow through man's radar. It yeah. was, you know, he was putting him out of his mercy. When John was over there saying, I killed him. Because, of course, John never really tells He doesn't want to tell a lie. He doesn't want to tell it.
0: Hey, listen, I straight up did this. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, for sure, and and you know they realize oh this oh shoot we need to go get the dragon glass right. and so like the like one of the things that li- literally declined John's invitation for help is like no you they're gonna they're gonna kill your bodies and dump you in the sea yeah. like he ends up being like all right let's go get the glass right. and then all of a sudden like in the books they're called um, the others right then other appears and other oh, is like yeah. a straight up white walker not a white and he's like a for sure lieutenant of the night king's like, army. And so the Then's like, listen, John, you go get the glass. He goes to try to attack this White Walker. His axe, like, they, they cling like weapons. And that ice pick thing that that White Walker has just shattered his entire shattered. axe. And he just throws the ice pick right through him. It was the, it was the worst, like, defense ever. <laughs> like, what did it remind me of? It was like... When when remember in Dragon Ball Z when Hercule tried to go attack Cell and Cell just smacks him out of the way and he just went flying? It was, like it was the worst it was He's the done. worst like interference He's of done. all time. Yeah, so then John finds the bag of dragon that goes to grab it, and the white just grabs him, throws him across the room, exactly. he loses long yeah. call and like he ends up trying to grab another sword, his sword like gets smashed and he ends up getting knocked down off the off the roof there, he like loses his air, he runs out of the little building. And he grabs Longclaw, and he thinks everything's done and over with because he's seen every weapon that they've had shatter against this ice weapon that this yeah. the White Walker has. So, this White Walker comes down for the final killing blow, and John just throws this like out of desperation, throws desperation. his uh, sword exactly up, what. you know, Valyrian steel, and it hit the they hit together, and neither of them shattered, and like Jon's eyes got wide, and then he cuts to the Night King. and The Night King kind of looks interested, like, oh. Like, there's something going on here. Like, hmm. Like, this is the first time they've ever seen any sort of resistance to any of their weapons. Like, any legitimate things. So then, after that, Jon Snow puts it down and gets a new, like, swing of energy and cuts that thing and, like, it just shatters into pieces. So now we learn that Valyrian steel can kill White Walkers as well. So now we know three things kill White Walkers. Fire, Dragonglass, and Valyrian steel.
1: And this was really, like, that desperation moment. Like, someone puts up a three-pointer from the half-point mark in the last three seconds, and it happens to go in. Some Steph Curry like, from three-quarter court. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. Uh, Steph- John Snow was a Steph Curry of the Wild Wings Yeah. Right. Threw, threw up the prayer one. Yeah. And you really start to notice, like, John finally feels like he's met his match. Like, they were going blow for blow. Yeah. When he was thrown down two floors. He's like... Man, I just can't get a get a move on him, man. It
0: reminded me of. Well, he also was taken off, like, off team from the beginning. It wasn't, like, a start, like, face-off. Like, he was trying to get a dragon, like, dragon yeah. glass, and he got thrown across. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, shoot. Like, he was never really ready or set. But, yeah, everything that desperation was there was, was crazy. It
1: reminded me of before Goku goes Super Saiyan, and, like, this fighting Frieza, he's like, I just can't get him. I yeah. just can't land a move on him. It was and, crazy. Man, it was nuts. And, dude, one
0: thing I wrote down, and this is completely my own thoughts. I, I just thought about it. Um, when I was watching it, cause we were talking about the previous episode, a lot about the doom of Valyria. Imagine mm-hmm. if the army of the dead, like was able to take over the stone men. And now you've got stone men who are white walkers or whites that if they touch you now, you have to kill you. If they touch you now, you have either got grayscale and you're gonna die, or you're gonna be a die. You're gonna die either way because you know they they killed you. Like it was just such yeah, a weird. Got, wow. Yeah. Imagine like point. the yeah the the stone seemed, being part of the army of the dead. Like wow. that that would be a crazy apocalyptic. Well, like, should be Jane. like Game of Thrones too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just, one of those things I thought about. I just think like, I'm like wondered, man. Like how devastating that would have been because, like, you can't do anything. Like, if they touch you at all, like, you're going to die regardless whether it's going to be right then and there. You might get out of that clutch of that guy and kill him, but it's going to kill you in yeah. 20, 10 years or whatever. Whatever it's going to do. Well, think,
1: you're about, screwed. think about Woo-Woo. Remember, like, you yeah. would have lived because no. they were all over yeah him. and imagine, yeah. And
0: then, obviously, so we do get a White Walker giant, you know, one after. Yeah, and We'll talk right. about that, but, uh... Uh, still, man, like, just the stone the stone men as part of the army of the dead would have been
1: devastating. But remember how much they completely outnumbered them. It outnumbered them to the point, they were just bodies of whites were falling off the cliffs. Yeah. Like, bodies. bodies. Of them. They were just, just like, like, falling. Waterfall. Just, like, jumping, like, chest jump first. Fall. Like, falling. <laughs> it sink.
0: was crazy. But, uh, yeah, and at this point, they're like, listen, we need to get going. And, like, they they, like tell us, like, listen, we're all gonna die here. We get on the yeah. damn ship. So, yeah. they get on the ship, and, uh, Jon Snow and the Night King have a little stare off, and like I always say, and I'll bring it up when we do our season eight. This sets up for a huge battle between these guys. You see, like John, like like staring like directly at this guy, at the Night King, and the Night King stares right back at him, and so it's set up for some big tension. We really got shortchanged on a, on a really cool battle, um, but either way, you know, as he's looking at Jon Snow, he puts his hands to the side and just lifts him up. And every single wild thing and number of the knights watched that were there at Hardham that died in the battle just rose up as Army of the Dead. That was the
1: most. I still remember watching that for the first time, which I say a lot of that on the show. But this scene, it was that moment where you didn't want to say anything after it was done. You were just left there, almost like the Red Wedding. Yeah. And you're like, I can't believe what just happened. Like, I remember thinking, like,. How are they ever going to, how is good going to be evil in this situation? Like, how is this ever going to happen? Remember, he looked like George Washington on the boat, (laughs) leading the wildlings there, standing there. (laughs) They're just sitting there, raising up the dead around him. Like, I'm just like, everyone's screwed. Like, everyone's Everyone's screwed at this point. And one
0: thing, one question I do, I want to bring this up, because they're all at the edge of this thing. Like I think the White Walkers and the Whites, they're afraid of of basic elements in the world because if we think about it too, remember and this is this is going forward to season seven, so I'm sorry for jumping, but when they're at the lake beyond the wall yeah. They don't swim at all. Like they won't go they, they won't go in the water. Yeah. They won't go like they so don't. are they afraid they're they're afraid of water and fire. Which is really strange. I don't think people really realize like about the water thing. Which is really funny. Like, yeah. You know yeah. They could've they could have swam and tried to get to the boats when he rose them from the dead there, but they don't like they, they were like they drew a quick line of where that water started. Ooh. Those whites
1: did not touch think it. Of this. A fire kills them, right? Yeah. So what do they melt into? Yeah, I mean,
0: they could yeah, take it in water, water. Like, but it's just so strange is, is that, you know, are they just afraid of basic elements of the world? Like, why why water? Why is something water that has any sort of effect on them? It almost you makes know? you... Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, yeah, that, that, that was my last thought on it. Like, I don't know why that... what what's, What it is it about water that stops these things?
1: I mean, it makes you wonder if it goes back to the children of the forest that, like, were said to have created them. Like, you know, the children of the forest worked with fire and, you know they basically worshipped almost like you know I guess uh, I guess you want to say technically the elements but really it was like you know the three eyed raven in the trees kind of thing um, so it makes you wonder if they are afraid of elements for that reason because it was the children in the forest that originally created right. them to fight off but, like,
0: but if they are afraid of it there could water been used to kill them because right. fire obviously you know why they're afraid of fire because you you know they, they get on fire, they're done they, yeah. like they're, they're gone like, what's the water thing? Like, you know, if, if let's say, if, um... Which, they that just, brings up
1: a good point for Season 8, I want to know yeah. about.
0: Which, we'll jump into that later on. I'm really interested. Like, what if, you know, at that, maybe they, they just dropped all of them off into, like, into the water. Would they have just died there? Like, they can't. So, like, I don't know. But, it was just interesting, I noticed, you know, they all stopped dead at the edge of the water. And then, at the, like, beyond the wall. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Like, they won't do anything and it comes to water. Yeah. So... Really, really well, strange. And that's how episode eight concludes.
1: Before we jump into episode nine, I was just going to say, this is really the moment where I think John's shocked. Like he, every, every moment, big moment, John's well, Do you John's know why he's before. shocked? Yes.
0: He's yet to see the Army of the Dead. This is the first right. time he sees it. Remember when they, because like he wasn't at the Fist of the First Men when the knights Watch saw it. He's only yeah, of hearing recollections right. and stories. Yeah. This is his first time seeing it, but not only does he see it, he sees how they're made. How they're made, so like, yeah. like this guy just goes like this and they all just rise. Like, dude, you just added
1: 300 people to your army going like this. <laughs> and it's, it's really, like, I mean, think about it. If you go back through John's history, as far as, you know, Craster's Keep or Castle Black, Like, he's always held his own. He's never really been shocked at what he's dealing with. Yeah, ever. I think this is the moment where John is just completely dumbfounded. Because in his mind, and, like, rightly so, how are they going to beat this?
0: How are they going to, like, what
1: are they going to do? Like, that's literally the thought in your head. I hate to say it, but quote, unquote, you'd be thinking I'm fucked. Yeah excuse my language, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's screwed. It's a slaughter fest. It's <laughs> <The> slaughterhouse. <laughs> but going to your point, the Night King is really stopped in his tracks too at this moment. Yeah, he, like, he,
0: was, he was like, he, that's the first time he's any, seen any sort of resistance that would have had any sort of, like, like repercussions that would be negative for their army. Like, oh, wait, he just took out one of my generals. Like, like, hmm, this is, this is like, obviously, it wasn't more of a concern. It was more like it was a curiosity. Like, yeah. Oh, I've not seen this before. So, <laughs> yeah. That was strange. Yeah, good stuff. But yeah, no. jumping into episode nine, you know, Ramsey and his 20 men, they destroy the horses, the food stores, and tents of Stanislaus' army, like, while they're asleep in the night. Yeah, man. Like, it's crazy. So, and on top of that, after, like, all this happens, like, um, what's his face? stance like, he's like, listen, like, you know, there had to be someone from the inside had to have, like, let them in. How could they not have seen it? Like, that was like, listen, like these are northerners. They know their land more than we ever will. And then Stans and he's like, no, I want everyone who was on watch duty last night, like, <laughs> done. Yeah, I want them gone. Right. Like, so, it, 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 and he insisted on continuing marching forward. And this was his mistake because if he didn't, he might not have lost all of like his people. Like, just kind of took stock of the situation. But all he was like, I want the horses, you know, butchered down for meat, and that's going to be our food. But you just lost like your whole cavalry, but not all of it yet. But you lost a good part of your cavalry. Your men are demoralized because not only did they get hit in the night by the enemy, on top of that, the weather is so bad that, like, you can't go anywhere. And all you're saying is, like, I don't care about these, like, little hiccups. We're going to keep going through it. Like, there's no, you're not spying any sort of devotion or any sort of, like, confidence that you're going to get through. Like, nope, nope, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. We're going forward. We're going forward. And, yeah.
1: I mean, it shows how desperate Stannis is getting.
0: Yeah, very desperate. That's a I mean, good word for it.
1: I mean, it shows, like, so, you know, Melisandre is, like, staring at all the camps and they're burning to the ground. Um, and then, you know, you realize his his entire army has been depleted so bad. Davos comes up to him and is like, we, we can't march forward. Like, we're stuck. We don't have anything left. And he even tells him we have horses butcher them for meat yeah. like how desperate do you Seriously. gotta get at that point
0: and then, yeah, like you're gonna butcher your own horses I mean at that point they're dead though the horses are dead like they killed them yeah, Like okay. Ramsey's like so like, what are you gonna do he, he's got no food they burned their food yeah, stores like, he right. like, he's had no choice at that point but no desperation is exactly, exactly what they were very desperate and so um, to be, right before I get back to Davos so, you know, I just wanna say John Snow returns to Castle Black and why I think this is important is because he brings the wilding host with him and he's unsure if they're going to open the, the gates for him. Right. Like, Alistair Thorne kind of stares out at him for a little bit. And, like, they, like... Jon Snow like, is like, dude, you're going here to walk out forward, like, five steps. And, like, they stare at each other. And, like, Thorne... I, I, I didn't know if Thorne was going to open the gates or not. And... But then he makes the right decision. He's like, open the gates. And they all come through. But uh, now to go back to Ser Davos... Stannis actually commands him to go back to Castle Black and get uh, food, supplies, and horses. As much as they can afford to, to give him for his army. So... Davos, he's like, well, listen, let me take uh, the queen and the princess with me. And Stannis is like, no, my family stays with me. Right. Which is going to set up, like, I think he knew what he was going to do and had his son Davos out of there, of what happens at the end of this episode.
1: I don't he, know if he knew, because it breaks Stannis down at that point. But it? Like <laughs> here's the problem, though, is I feel like he does it out of desperation, because he feels like this is his last hope to get exactly what he wants so he's willing to sacrifice everything but for what happens at the end of this episode it's really that moment where you start to feel like Stannis on the inside is tearing apart he's dead he's dead on the inside yeah I didn't get I guess this is the last thing he cared about
0: it was but I think he had an idea this was going to happen because there was like before I remember, Malisandra like in the episode before is mentioning you know like listen, we've got somebody with King's blood. Yeah. So he at least he already had it in that, his mind that this was a possibility. And I think he sent Davos out to do it because he knew that like Sir Davos was, would never in a million years allow that to happen. Because right. remember how he helped Gendry escape a bastard that they didn't even knew, and he's like friends with the princess. The princess taught him to read. Like like they were together. Yeah. Like they like he's almost like an uncle to her. Like an actual father. While is mm-hmm. being the king, Davos is almost like a father figure to Shireen. Right. So there was no way he was going to allow that to happen, and so is sending him back to Castle Black I think was a double meaning. I like, guess like he can hide under the fact that yo, Davos, you're you're one of my greatest, someone who can talk to somebody, yeah. you have a relationship with with John Snow already. So I and I can't I don't trust anybody else but you. I think it's because he he knew that he was going to have to what he was going to have to do. So yeah, um, well while that's going on, Davos goes to train Sansa to say goodbye, gives her uh, a stag, and that comes important that becomes important later on when we find out what happens but he gives her a little like toy like like thing he carved out a wooden stag and uh, asks what book she's reading and she replies A Dance of Dragons A yes. Dance of Dragons right? So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool and that's kind of when it cuts to Prince Duran over in uh, Dorne he arranges a sit down with Ilaria, Jamie Marcella, and Tristane. And what their whole thing was is like, hey, does Tommen insist on Marcello going back? He said, like, well, I can't refuse my king. But guess what, Tristan's going with you, and the marriage is going to hold if you want to keep a relationship with Doran. Yeah. And so Jamie's like, okay, well, you know what? I guess this is kind of going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. This is you know, the. They, they, uh, I think that's super important because not only that, they make, he like the other terms that Prince Duran had was listen, he's going to have to take Oberyn's place on the Small Council as well. Yeah. So.
1: And I think it's important to say you can go back to *A Dance with Dragons*. Like, of course, people know, you know, the next book that you really kind of dive into is *Dance with Dragons*. But it's really like a play on words hmm. because she's she's reading *Dance with Dragons*, but also like all the armies here are doing this whole dance around each other. Basically, it's not just about you know exactly what it's talking about, but it, it's. It's very interesting because you you have this whole idea, wow, dragons are going to be all throughout this book, and it's really just about a, a it's really a play on words, is what it is. And she's reading it um, just to give a quick summary of *The Dance of Dragons*. I'm not going to go all into it. That's for our summary episode, which our readers and our listeners, viewers uh, will wind up seeing, which will be pretty cool. Um, but just so you have an idea on what that was actually about, was that took about 150 years before, which is going to be really cool when Fire and Blood, uh, it's based on Fire and Blood, but House of Dragon comes out, which is based on House of Targaryen, which we'll go into then, but that's just a little piece of it. But basically what happened was um, you had Aegon I, that was an old man that had an affair um, with the Queen at the time, which was uh, Rhaella. Well, Rhaella couldn't produce a boy heir, um, so he actually wound up uh, marrying another girl, Estella, who actually produced a boy heir, who wound up becoming Aegon II. Um, long story short, was uh, Aegon I died off because he was old. There was rumors whether or not he was actually poisoned, which is interesting enough. Um, but Rhaella thought she should take the throne because at the time Aegon II was an infant. It um, shouldn't take the throne. Well, Estella really wanted the throne for herself and really didn't care that her son was an infant. So the war broke off into what was called the Greens and the Blacks. Uh, the reason it was actually called the Blacks was because the Targaryens at the time had a black flag with the gold dragon on it. Just like what's interesting is you see the Lannisters now in King's Landing with the red flag with the uh, gold lion on it. So uh, Rayala had uh, the blacks, and Estella had the greens. Um, Long story short was, um, Rayala really wanted the throne. Well, they had this whole council meeting, and Estella had the gold cloaks actually execute her maesters. So to get back at Estella, Rayala actually had hired two people, Uh, called Blood and Cheese, which is funny. We were talking about uh, Craster's Keep because they were actually members of Craster's from like a keep that was almost like Craster's. They are really sick like that. Um, But what they did was they gave Estella the choice. They said, um, would you like your younger son to be slaughtered or your older son? And Estella, of course, said uh, the younger son, well, she's sick, I wouldn't have said anything, but because her older son was supposed to take the throne. What happened... Was they actually killed her older son, slit his throat, and her younger son wound up taking the throne, who actually became Aegon II. While Aemon, which tying this back in, was 10 at the time, much younger, um, long story short, they went through a whole lot of battles, um, and one of the final battles after Rhaella came back, um, so Aegon and Aemon himself, that was 10, Aegon actually rode a dragon called Sunfire at the time after Balon died because he was ninety four years old. Uh, they trapped Rhaella when she went to go take the throne in King's Landing, um, and what happened was uh, Sunfire got his entire wing cut off, uh, his body was cut in half, and actually guts flew out as he fell to the ground. And Aegon the first, uh, Aegon the second lived at the time, which we'll wrap this up. Um, but it described him in the history book as was so burned. His skin was melted to the armor. Um, and he lived through it. Um, but actually Riala actually winds up taking the throne and, um, Aemon, uh, that we know as Maester Aemon that died comes back to him, uh, where they go the second after he recovers And they trap her in King's Landing. And actually, this is part of the reason why, you know, the Mad King idea started coming down as far as, like, Ares later on with Danny, But he actually traps Riala inside the throne room after they think she's taking the whole city. Um, When he comes back, just him and her and Aemon. And lets Aemon watch his own you know, half-mother, um, he burns her to the ground with, uh, actually, Vagal, who was Aemon's dragon, uh, who was actually, like, they described him as, like, a hundred and something at the time, because dragons lived for so long, and uh, cut her down piece by piece um, and did that, and then that lands into the final battle, which Damon was Regala's husband at the time after she left, and he trapped Aemon in the Stormlands. And they got in this big fight, and he had Carpsis, that was this big uh, red dragon, and he cut the head off of Vhagar. And Vigar's body was described as uh, washing up in the Stormlands uh, with the head and actually had pieces of Aemon's armor. And it's funny, because if you look at Amon's eyes in the show, so in the battle, he actually gets stabbed in the eye with a knife. But they always believed that Aemon died at 19 is when this happened in the Stormlands because they saw pieces of his armor that was strapped to the saddle on top of Vagar's body. Um, but actually, they think that's how he got to the Night's Watch. And Damon was uh, described as, as his uh, dragon actually fell down to the bottom. Uh, he died on top of him on the very uh, island of the Stormlands. So just so you all have a quick... You know, 10-minute summary on that, going off topic. Play my Chalice and Malice card, baby! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Chalice and Malice. So now you all know what What Shireen was reading. There we go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> but,
0: uh, yeah, and then, um, you know, now we kind of jumped, before we, we kind of left off with Tristane, how they are supposed to name him to the small council, of what's going on here in, in Season 5. And uh, <laughs> it jumps over to Arya back in Braavos, she's supposed to be serving the oysters with the poison. Like, this is supposed to be the day where the the poison is is administered, and it just so happens while she's, like, at the ship docks, a ship from Westeros comes in with uh, a person named uh, Meryn Trant. And, guys, remember, Meryn Trant is the guy who killed Cyril Pharrell, the original, quote-unquote, dance master uh, that trained Arya when they first arrived in King's Landing back in Season 1. And Meryn Trant has always been on Arya's list of people that she wants to kill. So uh he doesn't even she doesn't even sell him the oysters that day. She just gets paid attention right to Maron Trent and uh kind of follows him to where he goes. And so Marin Trent, he goes right to the the you know, community whorehouse. <laughs> I and mean, yeah. guys like that's exactly what he does and speaking what tongues. <laughs> what we really uh uh understand and learn about Marin Trent here is that he enjoys the company of abnormally young girls. So it how gross that is. Like they already like have a big dislike of Trant as it is. But every time they bring in a new girl, he's like he wants younger and younger and then finally he looks at her he's like do you have what I want or no? And that girl's kinda of mortified because she finally realizes what he's looking for and but like he's got a lot of money so he's gonna pay it and so they, they kind of oblige and they they bring him really small young girls and it's it's really, really sad. Um and yeah, dude. Then it jumps back over to Duran and over in Dorne gives Alaria a choice. Like, listen, you're gonna either swear allegiance to me or you're gonna die right here, right now. And she bends over and kisses the ring and like kind of weeps a little bit, puts on a big old show because this thing ain't over. She wants Duran to think it's over, but she she's it is not over at all. And so yeah, she kisses the ring, but you know it's 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 like a fake allegiance there, and we get. To go back to where Stannis is to kind of fulfill what's going on, over where on the way to Winterfell, Stannis goes to Shireen and gives her a cryptic speech about fulfilling destiny, and Shireen like, "Well, Dad, Father, I want to help you in any way that I can," but she doesn't quite understand what that's going to mean. So kind of almost like Stannis is trying to get her to like, "Hey, like, is it?" Like he's trying to dance around what's going to happen. And she's like, yeah, I want to help. Like like whatever I can do. Like I wanna I wanna be there and help you do what I can. And um unfortunately that involves uh sacrificing Shireen. And so they, all, the, what's really what's really interesting about this moment too is that uh the Queen Silise, like Stannis' wife, has been very, very hard and hateful towards Shireen this whole entire series. Then when they start burning Shireen alive, she goes into hysterics and tries to stop it like this whole entire time you dislike this child for having grayscale for uh you know not being a boy and not being able to provide for your husband and they almost like like look down on her now that she's dying like you change your whole entire tune and you run up to try to stop it and like they hold her back and stannis is looking from a distance and she's screaming out mother or father mother or father and, like she doesn't want to die um and she you know she drops the stag but like, what we see is like she drops the stag and like you never get to see you know the burning happen but um agonizing
1: uh, screams is so
0: sad. So I remember she was like
1: help, help, yeah. help and
0: Stannis holds firm and they kill her. It's uh
1: To the Lord of light.
0: It's so sad. a high. Yeah, man, and pretty messed up. Then that's where we see that, but then we go back over to Marine and we see Jorah fighting in the pits, and this time he does have to kill these people. But he starts getting his like—he's I mean, old, right? He's, he's fine. Like he's starting to get that butt whooped a little bit. He's—he's uh, yeah. mm-hmm. he's doing his best he can. He's doing okay. Anyways, he ends up using his crafty veteran shit. Oh, yeah. He—he uh, he pulls it out at the end. He comes out victorious, and then he holds his spear. And he starts walking towards Danny, and he lifts his spear up, so you don't know, like, dude, is he going to, like, is he going to attack Danny? Is he, like, tired of, like, trying to, like, you know, piece her, and she just doesn't want anything to do with him? So he's like, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to go after it. So he launches the spear... And it ends up going right through one of the sons of harpies. I was right behind Danny about to stab and kill her. Like no one was paying attention. So then all of a sudden, not only that happens, all you start seeing like, and like all of a sudden, all these sons of harpy people, yeah, just appear out of nowhere, killing masters in the crowds, killing slaves in the crowd, they're killing
1: everybody. Everywhere. I thought they were screwed. Uh, like, it was that man. This was the one time I was watching it, besides of course the episode Sons of Harpies with uh, Grey Worm. I thought you were screwed too. Like I remember, Dario goes defend a queen. Yeah, yeah. your like, queen. There was a part. I remember, Sunday and Danny were holding hands, and I remember she was looking at her, and they were taking them down one by one. Then you're sitting there thinking, how long can Dario and, and Grayworm hold them off. off? Exactly. Like how well, long? There was. I thousand. mean, and, and he,
0: keep in mind that Grayworm wasn't even there. Grayson was still recovering back there. Oh Grayroom, yeah, I it, was it. Yeah, wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, it was even there. So, so you, you have Daria unsullied. and Harris, and you yeah. have like the Alan Solly doing the best that they can, like with with no help. And Jora ends up, you know, walking up like driving to, like Danny's Jora. T- Danny. Jora, yeah, it was Daria it. And So Jora, like, yeah. like she kind of, she kind of, almost in a way, like at least accepts the help, or I Guess like she, like grabs her down off the thing and like. They get surrounded, like, you know, Derek uses his, like, knife, like, they're, they're like, at this point, they kill a lot of the Suns but they keep coming from every crevice, every nook every cranny, and, like, they're, they're just surrounded at
1: this point, and they... It looked like a Roman Empire Coliseum, and, it, and it they was, took it over... <laughs> From every row, like almost like a football field, and it's completely surrounded from both sides, and you're standing in the very center. And they, where they had similar. a small
0: circle around, and they're like, Listen, we're gonna go out with a big fight. Like, I think everyone in, I thought in it their minds, like, they yeah, not just Danny, the whole, all of all them, all of Dario, right. everyone was gonna, like, that's how it was gonna end, like, for her. And then, uh, we get, we get the savior in the form of wings, oh, yeah, come mm-hmm. down, big old roar. And Drogon comes in, and he just starts throwing fire on everybody, man. Yeah, like thought, oh, no, yeah, the Sons man. of the Harpy. But it wasn't without a cost, because the Sons of the heartbeat, like this is the first time you start to see dragons have some vulnerability, man. You do, like, yeah. The spears are sticking in him. He's, like, he's His getting wings injured. He, wings are getting torn. He's blowing fire. He's doing the best he can. And basically, at the end of the whole, what this ends up with, she climbs on Drogon, and he flies her the F out of there.
1: Yeah, and it's... It makes you think too, because I love the way the show portrayed it, where she closed her eyes, because it made you almost think like was she working to connect with him? Because remember the Targaryen? She just wanted. I think she like, wanted to do him. think um, yeah. to Yeah, or she was just wanting
0: to She's die. Like, like I wanted to die. She's like, like this is it? Like, I don't want to see. My like, I don't want to see what's going to happen. I don't see, know. See, I
1: was thinking like it was like almost like her connection with her children. Like Drogon was the only one left. Like, but the thing is, is like, you, you, like, I think. It,
0: you can't get there that quickly if you're over there in the grass sea Drogon was already on his way over like so you know what I mean right. like he was already coming because he couldn't have gotten there that quickly but no like, it, she kind of climbs on the back house and getting out of there which is interesting because like one of those ends up happening to the rest of the sons of Harpies that were
1: gonna take them down but um
0: yeah it which was
1: Drogon when she he first sees yeah. her you know, his mouth is all bloody from literally biting that guy in half, yeah. and burning him, and throwing him two different directions. And he's like, almost like roaring at her, like he's be pissed, be like, like he's, he's, he's like, get on, over. Like, yeah. get on.
0: And like, I think she wasn't understanding because, like, if that, and I'm not mistaken, that's the first time Danny flew on a never dragon. Yeah. That's the first time she ever like was 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 was. on. Yeah, she flew. the dragons. Yeah, right. Right. What a great. If only Arya
1: was there, then she could have done the dance. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. So it was. It was really interesting, and that's how episode nine kind of phases out. Is you know her flying away on, um, on on Drogon, and so basically you've got Tyrion there, you've got Jorah, you've got Dario, like. And Sunday just kind of like, what the heck? Like, we're fucked. Like, these the, so they've watched their queen fly away, and that kind of is how it closes out in the episode 9 there before we get into the finale of, of
1: episode uh, 10. Quick question. Do you think Jorah, which we brought this up before, do you think Jorah was holding back in the fight because he almost predicted what was happen- happening with the Sons of Harpies? So he wanted to protect Danny, or do you think he was just old?
0: No, I think he's just old. I think he fought so much in the pits, he got so much that like he's can be skillful. All he wants, but like at some point, your your ability fails you. You see it in professional sports all the time. Like doesn't matter. Like at some point in time, father time is going to catch up to you, and yeah, you're fighting against these young time. guys who are fighting for more than what you're fighting. But they're fighting for survival. Like you know, that's what they've been doing this entire time, and you've just you know fought recently now you gotta fight multiple people at once like yeah, I, was, just, was, I just i just straight awful. up like think he just was like dude like i only he didn't have the yeah. ability but um yeah. one thing i
1: do have to uh say here because it was a little bit different in the books real yeah. quick um so the sons of harpies you know how they just kind of came out of nowhere and started attacking danny yeah in the books what happened was it was actually before the fight Jorah actually doesn't fight that guy yet. Okay. What actually happens is they notice an assassination attempt is on Danny because they offer her food before the fight, and she offers it to another servant, and he dies from poison. Is actually what happens. So they interesting. And then the Sons of Harpy is basically the same thing as the show. They completely surround the Colosseum, and then Jorah winds up helping, helping, and then throwing the spear. Um, also, in the, sh- in the actual book, um, uh, which uh, Drogon actually doesn't come to the pit, um, he actually he doesn't come to the pit because Danny calls him. It's described as he actually is in the area because there's so much blood in the pit from where they're taking out the Sons of Harpies, cutting their heads off. And stabbing them through. He smells the he blood. He can smell the yeah. blood in the meat. Like how?
0: I wonder if that's exactly what happened in the show too. We just don't realize it. So yeah, he was wonder, in the air. Right? He was in the air and smelled the yeah. blood.
1: And it does say here in the book, it describes Drogon went on a complete rampage for them attacking his mother. It said he killed two hundred people uh, between burned, eaten, alive, and trampled, which is pretty pretty insane. That's crazy. So, yeah, um,
0: that's a good way to leave episode nine,
1: right Yeah, yeah.
0: episode nine. Mm-hmm. So episode ten, uh, we kinda start off and you know, it's basically Stannis waking up and being told that the sellswords who he bought with Bravosi's money, yeah, they they abandoned him. And they took all the horses. They took all of his horses, man. Which like in the books guys gotta remember, like, the Battle of Winterfell hasn't really happened yet. We kinda like leave off with um him like they're saying like they like they're in the like feels like starving. Even though Ramsey writes a letter out to Jon Snow saying that that Stanis has been defeated, it hasn't been confirmed yet in the book. So we'll find that out in in the Winner. But um we, he learns the Soul Swords have abandoned him and took in all the horses. And so on top of that he gets extra bad news because another guy comes up, he's like, Tell me it couldn't be worse than mutiny Right. And they're like, well your wife to hunt herself. <laughs> so they go into the thing they like, cut her down. Like, do so, you realize how beaten down this guy is? Dude, absolutely, he just sacrificed his daughter. The person he named his hand as Hannah's King is in Castle Black trying to, like, get him, you know, back up and, and stuff. And and then on top of that, his wife just hangs herself. And then the one person that's been with him through it all, it's like, uh, uh, um, Your Grace, the Lady Malassam has been seen riding out of camp. No, Sandra deserts him too. Like, he's got no one. Like, at this point in time, like he's like, well, going to march information. We're going for it. Yeah. Like, there's, at that point, it's full desperation. He only has a half of the army that he was supposed to have. Like, it was just full blown, you know, in the TV series, how it's it portrayed. It was.
1: That's where I want to say, like, yeah. Stannis became an idiot at that point.
0: He yeah, had nothing like, else you, to lose.
1: Yeah, but remember going even back to, you know, the previous season where he goes and begs for money. Like,. He would have thought he would have at least stopped and regrouped and been like, listen, we don't have anything left.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, he told, I mean, we kind of had the feeling this was going to happen in terms of, again, guys, with the TV series, like the books, that that this battle hasn't happened yet. But, um, uh, basically, he he tells me, no, this is the right time. I'm going to risk everything. We're marching forward and only forward. So we knew it was going to happen and, uh, yeah, so Melisandre deserts Stannis and I think that was the final blow. Like, this like he trusted in her magic this entire time mm-hmm. and everything that she was able to do and like it just things were coincidentally working out from along the way. And this is the first time it was a complete failure. He killed, like his wife is dead, his daughter's dead. His his person that he trusts most is nowhere near him, and now the one that she he's kind of listened to this whole time that has made things happen for him in the past deserts him too. Yep. So he's like he's I'm got nothing. Go he's like oh we're going for it. Got nothing to lose That's now, it. guys. Gonna go for it. So yeah, and then back in Castle Black um sam asked john to leave this to, to leave to the citadel to become a maester because he's said listen to that. like i can't have like the last look in my like, like, like the last thing i see is the look in Gilly's eyes when she realized i failed her like mm-hmm. i can't i can't do that so john because john didn't want to let him go to the citadel to become a maester like dude i need you here i need someone that i trust and like you're the only guy yeah and sam's like 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 john like you want number one we lost our maester we need a maester yeah maester aemon died you know, and on top of that, like, I, I need I need to know Gilly and the baby are going to be safe. And this is, like, really the only way that, you know, we can all come up with. And so, John doesn't even agree yet, and Sam knows he got him. He's like, yeah. thank John, thank you. <laughs> so, it,
1: it's, it's, it's funny. Um,
0: Which I do want to yeah.
1: say in the books, actually, it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, actually, in the books, John basically forces Sam Tarly to go because Sam doesn't want to go. Okay. And over and over, John keeps telling him to go to become a maester because he wanted him to learn about the Whites and the others in the books because this is after he's been finding out all this information about what just happened at Hardhome and he, he knows Sam is one of the smarter ones. Uh, so that happens, but as far as the show goes, it's almost like after Sam's gone... It's like, almost like John's last line of defense for supporting him being the lead of the Night's Watch is gone at that point.
0: Yeah, he's still Ed Tollett, but yeah, for the most part. Like, Um, it's, like, foreshadowing. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so all that—that like, that was, you know, because it's almost exact opposite in the in the show. Because like Sam's at, like begging him, almost saying the same things that you said. John was saying to Sam in the book. Sam's like, "Listen, like I can learn about the dragon glass and like maybe try to find th- more things that we can use <laughs> against the, the fight against the dead." But uh, yeah, and while this is going on over there, we we get a cut to Winterfell where Podrick sees Stannis' army. And he alerts Brienne, and Brienne's mm-hmm. like, how can you be sure? He's like, it's the flaming heart and a stag. Like, I'll never right. forget that from the Blackwater yeah. Bay. Like, It's for sure Stannis, which kind of is terrible timing, because it happens to be the same time Sansa herself is going up to the tower to put a candle on to like show, hey, I, I need the help that everyone yeah. was promising right. with this candle deal. Um, but uh, the, basically, Stannis is on the field. He's like, get ready for the siege. He's like, you're there's not going to be a siege. And Stannis is like, what? He looks over across the thing, and the Boltons had sent out their whole entire cavalry, surrounded him, Completely and just done. cut their body like their thing to pieces. But to very
1: Helms deepish. Almost very away, in, uh, battle of the bastards, yeah. I would Jeez. say. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think it was as as climatic as Helm's Deep. It was it was really like, listen, we we've, we've got the men on horses, you are on foot. You've got half the people we do. We're just gonna surround and cut through you and keep making rounds <laughs> until you got nothing left. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. But to Stannis' credit, man's a fighter through and through. He fought off those two last guys like yeah, when he man. was on his last legs, killed those two, and he just ends up slumping by the tree, and then. Our good old lady, Bran, comes up and basically gets, to get, gets to
1: him to confess. to confess. Yeah, to confess. 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 No, you can't die until yes, you confess. Yes. <laughs> He's like, you killed
0: uh, King Renly with like blood you're magic. you I'm just kidding. <laughs> You killed King Renly with blood magic. And Santa Stephen lies, like, guess. And he's like, well, in the name of King Renly Baratheon, first of his name, you know, the rightful, whatever. She goes her whole spiel of his titles. He's like, I sentence you to die. Do you have any last words? And true to form, Stannis just looks her in the eyes and says, do your duty. Go on, do your duty. And she ends Stannis' life, and finally, she's not a failure in one thing. She, not got, a she got the one thing that she was looking for as of right now. She wanted that vengeance for Renly's death, the original thing that set her off for did, yeah, and she, she, got finally, death, yeah. she got her vengeance.
1: Yeah. Got her vengeance. Stannis got what was coming. And at this point, though, I mean, it's like. I think the reason Stannis kept pressing forward was because he was like, I just. Almost like he got sick of regrouping. Like, if you're tired from studying for a damn test and you're like, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen at this point. Yeah. Like, I'm sick of being <laughs> he was so beat down, you know, he had to burn his own daughter. He saw his <laughs> wife hung. That was, like pretty much all he had left because Melisandre is inserted
0: like, him and then the wasn't there like it was bad like yeah, yeah. you got nothing left hey, Dude, that's
1: exactly you got nothing what left was.
0: like listen whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen but it's gonna happen now I ain't doing this all over again because think about it, he had to regroup at Dragonstone after the, the failed uh, siege of Blackwater Bay Yeah, he's like dude I've already been through this once man I ain't doing this again like it's <laughs> that guy in the game of Risk <laughs> where like risks he it throwing all, his dice and, and keeps it losing all. no matter what yeah. like no
1: matter how
0: all the odds are stacked in his favor. It just keeps exactly. Stacking. They were stacked in his favor both
1: times. Very, very high. well. So, and you have all your potions, all your guys, and you are going to take on the final boss in like a final fantasy game. and He still kills you with one hit. Like eventually, like it's over, man. Just, you know, it just accepts defeat. He basically threw in the towel.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and on top of that, like, where while this is going on, Sans is trying to like escape somehow and. Miranda just like like meets her halfway yeah. on the on the ramparts and she has the arrow pulled and she goes uh,
1: Theon yeah Theon man. does his
0: thing but, he, but I thought like, it was funny there's a couple of quotes in there that I think it's like listen I'm, she goes listen I know what Ramsay does to people if I'm gonna die like I want to still have a, a piece of me left yeah and Miranda's like what's anything about dying no 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 honey he still <laughs> yeah. needs you he needs the, he needs your uh, your lady parts to make him a couple sons and then he's got special plans special plans for those like oh it was Harley like him Miranda it was Harley Quinn and Ramsey was a joker for sure but then Theon that's like kind of like a three 180 because he's gonna just listen to her go back go back and and, and then he's like she's like I ain't going back so you're gonna have to do so he's like so you wanna go back and wait for Ramsey, or should I begin now and she just stays like straight face she's like you're leading up to me
1: Let's begin. <laughs> Let's <laughs> and then begin. she, like,
0: pulls it back, and then Theon, man, comes, comes in the clutch, grabs her, and she's like, what are you doing? And throws no. her off the ramparts and splats.
1: No. So Theon finally throws
0: some balls back, even though he has none.
1: Just <laughs> imagine Harley Quinn, like, tumbling to no. down a cliff into a waterfall with rocks. Like, No! <laughs> Like yeah, I say that was
0: just straight. That was just straight
1: concrete to face, bro. He, like it was a like, good so up. So, but uh, think of how sick she was, though. Like how you're sitting here supporting. Oh, happy about it! Like, <laughs> yeah, happy about ecstatic, it. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna have sex with you, and he wants to see me. So Man. it's gonna be great because he's gonna keep having sex. with you. In fact, I'd rather watch. Dude, it's just like he let Reek watch. Like think of how sick and messed up the Ramsey had to be to even be able to corrupt her mind to think that. That's so sick and think it's okay.
0: For sure, bro. And, like, yeah, that's the Theon decides he's gonna actually do something worthwhile for once instead of being a beaten dog. Yeah. Uh, You know? But, uh, yeah, and while that's all going, too, Arya disguises herself as a a child, you know, for, in the whorehouse for Meryn Tran. So Meryn Tran's, like, beating these little girls and they're, like, whimpering and crying and then... Like, like, you see this girl with her hair down, and then Maren Trent's trying to hit her. And not making yeah. like, any sound, any sound, he's like, oh, yeah, I see it. I've got my work cut out for me. Sends the other two girls out of the room, throws a nasty punch to her gut, and, like, you hear her sigh for the first time, but not like she's in, like, a ready position, and she looks up at Marin Trent, grabs her face off, pulls it, you see Ari there, and she jumps at him with a small little knife and stabs him in the eyes, like, it's- it was crazy, and, uh, like, she kills him, but she's finally able to knock one of the uh, people off her, her fabled list, but, like, she, like, drags it out this entire, like, she's, like... Yeah, she's kind of sadistic in her own way, because she's like, keeps stabbing him in the sides and, like, just, you know, um, put his own shirt in his, uh, his mouth and, you know, basically taunting him, being, like, uh, you know, you remember when you killed... you know, I bet you don't even remember who Serio Farrell is... And then he's like, you know, you know who I am. Like I'm Arya Stark, <laughs> and dude, yeah. like it was crazy. Like this guy is so confused about what's going on. He just thought he was gonna have some fun with some, you know, right. little yeah. little kids, and then he just got his, so he, de- he just got fucked up, man. Oh, he did. Man. So that was pretty crazy. You really started to see Arya like. <laughs> it's the first time that she's like getting win- revenge. Yeah, getting revenge. Like she's starting to, you know, become who she's destined to be a little bit.
1: Which this this kind of is contradictory at this point because. Who she wants to become to be for her destiny to be fulfilled, Jack and Nagar doesn't want her to be.
0: Right, and that's what ends up happening next. This exactly yeah. what happens. Like, she takes that face and puts it back in hall the, the faces, mm-hmm. and Jack and Nagar's like, a, a girl has taken a life that was not hers to take. Like, right. like you know, only death pays for life. And so, like, it, it shows Jack and Nagar, like, dying, but then, like, it, it, behind her, is like, uh, he was no one. And, like, uh, she starts pulling the faces... And then realizes that, like, it's her. And then she, like, it's weird. She's looking at herself, like, dead on the ground. And then her eyes just start to, like, get cloudy. And she's like, what's going on? I can't see. I can't see. And uh, she becomes
1: blind. And remember how torn up she was that Jackin was dying. Yeah, yeah, she's like, he was
0: my friend. And she said, no, he wasn't. And then he he comes back and, yeah. Which,
1: think about this as far as the book's perspective, (coughs) right? Yeah. Which I'll tell you in a second because it happens a little bit differently in the books, and I'll run through it quick. Um, and that's like one sentence, so don't wait. But as far as <laughs> it's relevant, right? Yeah, it's relevant. But pulling off the faces—remember when she was introduced into the house? And in the books, it's like a skull face, right? It really takes a hit when she, you know, they worship this faceless god, the faceless man, which right. is the man of death. So she's basically being trained by demons, like, the entire time if you think about it, or the Grim Reaper. Like, you don't really ever know who her trainer is. Like, Jack and Nagar isn't ever Jack and Nagar. Like, you don't know anything about him. He's basically death. So she's been training from this death god the entire time, which... Their whole idea is almost like Final Destination in the movie, right? You're supposed to die when you're supposed to die. Yeah. Like, we're just given our own target. Stolen a life from the Red God is what he says. Exactly. Yeah. Stolen a life from the Red God, and this was her punishment for it. And remember, he drank the poison yeah. that killed him right in front of Arya. In the book, which I'll just say, actually, in the book, what happens in the way she becomes blind is she drinks poison milk so she becomes blind. It wasn't because Jackin was paying a debt for it. Got it. But I was going to say the show did this so much better, in my opinion, because the detail in the writing is what I love so much about these early seasons like this versus the later seasons because it even goes back into showing that their whole point was like Final Destination. You're not supposed to determine someone's death. Yeah. So. Which is crazy. Really
0: but then at the same time, like, how can they say that? Because you're absolutely right. That's how it's portrayed. But when you think back, like, she saved Jack Nagar and Rorj and Biter back when they were, like, set on fire and they were, like, getting taken to the um, Night's Watch in the very, very beginning, like, season in season one. She saved them and, like, unlocked the... They gave them the axe to get them out of there. And Jack Nagar says, you know, name three names and I'll kill them for you. Like, those names for her own personal game.
1: Yeah. So exactly. I don't understand. So, and I gotta bring this up because this is very important. Was... What's his name? The guy she just killed. Maren Trant. I always want to say Maren Trant. Uh, Maren Trant. Was he the brown eyes?
0: We don't know. Because it could have been him. could have been Walter Frey. could have that's been the boy the that question. she killed in the very, very beginning with the sword of the gut and when she made her first kill. Remember no that
1: quote, guys. Remember what we talked about in the early episode? Yeah, it was is. I see the darkness is you. And, and, and in the darkness, never, eyes
0: staring back at yeah. me. Brown eyes, blue eyes, and green
1: eyes. Eyes that you'll shut forever. So... I mean, that's one of the theories. Because... To this point, she still hasn't killed any green eyes. Yeah. Last time I checked.
0: Yeah, and that's not I checked as well. But the brown eyes could have been anyone. It could have been her very, very first kill. The boy that she stabbed in the gut to get out of King's Landing. It could have been... Um, well, uh, I don't Walter want Walter Fray. Yeah, don't, yeah even though we kind of, kind of jumped rant. the gun on Walter Fray because right, yeah. but either way, uh, and that, or it could have been Marin Trin, Like, We don't really know. Yeah. So I was just but, but, uh, down. I'm but, just really confused about the, the dynamic here. So if Jack and the guards so against her taking lives for her own personal gain, why was he okay with telling her, like, "Hey, you can pick any three people, and I'll kill them"?
1: Because I think he was testing her. But and I mean,
0: it's also paying a debt, like of having, like, okay, three you saved three lives, now three people need to die. But like, the thing is, is like, it, if there is what they say, it shouldn't have been people for her own personal gainer but she wanted like i don't understand how that goes but i
1: think it was more of like final destination like jack and thought okay well whoever she chooses to kill is just gonna die right but i think he was still giving her the choice of you get to choose whether this person dies and it wasn't like she just just dis- like she literally decided on her own motives is why
0: Right, but that, that's the whole thing that they're doing against. Like, you know, no, you don't, you don't get to choose who dies when. If it's kind of the final destination thing, everyone dies when they're supposed to die. Well, in that case, Jack Nagar was supposed to die with Rojan Biter in that fire, right? And she saved them. So now, like, how would she get to choose who dies? And like, I don't know. It just, Which it doesn't actually make sense goes to back
1: to your uh, good point. Yeah. If you go all the way back to season two, remember when she hired Jack and Nagar to kill that guy, right? Over in where is it, Harrenhal? Harrenhal, yeah. Harrenhal? So it makes you wonder. Yeah, that's an interesting point. very, because that's very contradictory. Very
0: contradictory. So okay. George answer us, man. man. Answer us, man.
1: <laughs> so I guess when's the winner we'll find out. We will right? right? Okay.
0: And cool. Then while that's happening, Jamie and Bronn uh, bring Marcella back to King's like, Go to bring her back to King's Landing. And Alaria kisses Marcella on the lips. I knew this was going to happen. I'm sure other people maybe missed it, but like this girl was so sweet to the point, like you knew that was something, there was some treachery being pulled because this girl just tried was talking about sending Marcella back piece by piece to Cersei, and then all of a sudden she kisses uh, Doran's ring, and she's going to be the nicest thing that ever happened. Oh, you're so sweet. Like I, didn't, there's nothing but happiness for you. Like. Obviously, you no know, sons going on there. So when she kissed her, I was like, "Okay, that's it. The poison's on her lips." Like, hundred percent right. knew yeah. that was going to happen. That was super, super predictable. But um, yeah, like this, this before I get into like Marcella and what I ends up having to her. This is the quote I was talking about with Bron and his last little interaction with Tyeann. She goes, "Tell me again who the most beautiful in the world is," and he said, "You are." And she said, yeah. and, uh, "Like you know, talks about like them seeing each other." He's like, "Well, I you know don't wait too long because there's women to marry back home." Yeah. And she goes and grabs her and like, "You like, you want a good woman, but you need a bad pussy." <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I grabbed her Yeah, like, like, said that. it was no so, stuff. and like, bit his ear. Like, so Bron was all over the place, and it was funny because Jamie kind of mocks Bron, but he's like, "My lord, we're waiting on you. Are you about done?" Bron's not yeah. a lord. It's oh, so funny. It was, it was just a mocking. So, like, it was cool to see like their relationship between Bron and Jamie. Like now, they're like kind of best buds. So yeah, that was, was cool. pretty cool. But then going into it. Uh, uh, Jamie tells Marcella that he's her father, but she already knows. And so she kind of already, like, always knew. And when they're kind of embracing and having that, f- like, first father-daughter moment... She starts bleeding profusely from the nose, and she ends up dying. <laughs> like, so you get to know your father, and you have this nice moment for, like, ten seconds, and then she
1: dies. What's up with all of uh, Cersei's kids dying of poison, man?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Outside of Tommen, right? Yeah. And, and obviously, her, like, the, the one that died at, like, a childbirth with Robert Baratheon, but... Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Not sure. Uh, you know, I mean, while that's going on over there, this is the point I wanted to bring up when we talked about this when we first started this two weeks ago, um, about now, Daenerys has gone from marine. And they're trying to figure out what the heck to do. So Tyrion, Dario, Jorah, Missandei, and Worm are all kind of convening in that like pyramid there yeah. about what's going on. And you kind of see Dario take control of the situation, which is very, very strange. Yeah, just yeah. Like we're talking about. Dario Harris came from nothing. Like he's he was fighting in the Slayer Pits and he was a lieutenant, not even like a commander or a general in the Second Sons army. So not only that he now is he moved up to the like the commander of the Second Sons after he killed his own partners, right? Now He's like starting to make decisions for Daenerys in her place. Like, what? Like His leadership skills are awesome because they all want to go find Daenerys, and he's like, no, no, it's not going to work that way. Yeah. Listen, this is what's going to work. Tyrion, you've got experience governing a country. Uh, you know, Grey Worm, the unsullied know you. Masande, they all know you speak with the Queen's mouth. So, you guys need to stay here, figure out how to run this stuff. Jorah and I are the ones that are expendable. We don't know if Jorah is going to be welcomed back into Daenerys' good graces or not. We can only go to ask her. You know, he's not going to be able to find her on her own. He's 65. I'm a young guy, like, you know, I'm going to go find my queen. So you guys figure out shit here, and we're going to go do this. He makes all the decisions for everybody. You know, I mean, he's got like next to nothing. Like, like, why is he the one making the choices? You know, he showed some really great leadership and stepped up there, and I was really
1: impressed with that. Yeah, that was impressive. Um, I mean, yeah, it is, a, it is actually very wild how he takes control of the situation. And he's no longer really trying to impress Danny at this point. No,
0: like, that, that's just like what needed to be done. Yeah. It was the right move.
1: Like, I mean, it, it's almost like he's really starting to become the man Danny wanted him to be versus more of that sl- yeah. slave boy, that side piece And, uh, also during this time, you know, Great Worm wakes up, uh, from being hurt and sees Jorah and like starts giving, you are not
0: supposed to be here. (laughs) Exactly. And Dario,
1: like you said, kind of steps in on that. Yep. he's like, you know. It's like,
0: our queen wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Jorah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that was crazy. And then, uh, we only got a couple more points here before we finish this off with you guys uh, and conclude our, our season five, but big one, uh. Lord Varys finds Tyrion in in yeah. rain. <laughs> like, he's like they start kinda tripping back and forth and then he's like, Oh, I've missed you and Lord Varus like, Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. it, so now he's like he's like, oh, if only you knew somebody with a vast network of spies, oh if only yeah. like, they're just Because oh, cool, like you place. know you start to see people become really close as friends. You know, like I said, Jamie and Braun are getting really close. Like now Varys and Tyrion, like they're they're very, very close as well. And now we kind of go over to Danny and see what's going on with her. She's pleading with Drogon to return to Marine, but like he like he can't. Like he's hurt. He's wounded. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start hearing like the this really familiar call. You're like, man, where have I heard that call from before? Yeah. And you start hearing a stampede, and she starts looking over, and you start seeing like a Kalisar of, like a hundred thousand Dothraki yeah. just kind of closing on her. So like, you know Drogon kind of goes off, and she. That kind of pulls off her ring and drops it on the ground. Like, very smart move to where, like, Very you know, smart.
1: Yeah. yeah. If like, anyone, yeah. if anyone,
0: any sort of trackers would know what a Kalasar looks like, you know, with all those horses, yeah. they'd know exactly where that was. And so she drops that ring to let people, you know, understand where she, like, she was right. there. So. Yeah. And don't
1: forget, too, because remember when you first see Danny sitting there with Drogon, you know, the skeletons are there. He's been eating, like, it seems like for days, right? Well, don't forget, Viserion. And uh, Rhaegal are over in you There's know still captivity still. In marine, yeah. So people always wonder why Drogon was so big compared to them. Well, they're in captivity, and Drogon's been just feasting. And, and
0: Drogon's life. always been the biggest one, even yeah. from the beginning. He's supposed he was like char- like kind of characterized as the Second Coming of Valyrian. Right. The Black Dragon. So remember, like, in when they she Krasn is over in Yunkai when they were gonna sell him, like, trade for the Unsullied. He's like, I want the biggest dragon, right? And so dragons, the Drogon's always been the biggest dragon. But um, yeah, no, for for sure. And then they kind of put us back into King's Landing, the High Sparrow gets like Cersei. Ooh, shame, yeah, well, <laughs> shame. <laughs> almost, yeah, shame. <laughs> the thing is, like, what I want to talk about before we get to her walk of atonement is like. She's supposed to kill the kids. season is so good, yeah, man. Right? right when
1: you think it's over.
0: It's not Ooh, over. it's not it's over. Never it's over. really
1: <laughs> over. <laughs> not <even laughs> over. The big lady says shame. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's but right. um,
0: Yeah, so basically, like, she's like, oh, I'm going to confess. So she goes to the High Sparrow, and she's like, I'm going to con- confess, and talks about betting Lonzo, because it's smart on, because like, seriously, smart on her own right, right she already knows a high septon like knows lancel's the one that better because also yeah. like she's like he's like oh one of ours told a story and now his soul is as light as a feather you know so and yeah. obviously the high spirit knows about her infidelity with lancel so she confesses that and he's like you confess to that right? and, and no other sins she's like no other Like well there's a lot of people who say like your your sons have no right to the throne and that are born of incest she's like all lies spread by stannis baratheon to deny you know that they, they're his brothers, and, and rightfully claim Stannis as as the king, and it's his throne. So he's like, "Well, you have confessed as uh, one of your crimes, some of your crimes here, but you're still going to go on trial for the rest of them." <laughs> yeah, She's like, "Well, can I beg for one drop of the mother's mercy?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll let you return the red keep, but uh, at first you must uh, make atonement, and that's when first
1: you must,
0: <laughs> yeah, you must admit your shame." For she gets uh, she With gets fully clothes. naked. They cut her hair down to like like yeah. very very short. No, like all all sense of modesty is stripped away from her. Like you know, like they, she walks fully naked into the street, and like these rioters are just throwing at her, spitting on her, throwing. Nastiness, like remember that guy kind of pulls his, his goes yeah. down like shakes his, his what <laughs> <laughs> <at> have
1: <her. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nuts, <messed> so touch dude, that whole time like this thing was just going shame, 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 we should not have married Mariachi, man,
0: shame, yeah, shame, and, like, it's sad because like that, that shame, that scene went on for a good five minutes, like a good full five minutes, like her just making that full argument to tomate and like. It's almost sad. You almost start to feel bad for her. See all the bad things that she's done, but like she finally gets into the Red Keep and she just like breaks down. And Kyvern like wraps her up with the robe, and then we get this amazing revelation that Sir Gregor has survived, mm-hmm. and uh, he now yeah. is like on. Un- you can see like the his big old body. Like let me introduce you the newest member of your Queen's Guard, and your no. King's Guard. And the mm-hmm. mountain is now yeah. um, alive thanks to Kyvern's crazy ability as a maester. Even though he's not really a so they took his chain. But uh, she, like, they, like Gregor picks her up, yeah, and like he's like, he's he's vowed not to say a word until all your enemies are destroyed. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. It was it was interesting. Uh, now to Gregor, and you can see like that there's a purple hue underneath. You don't you don't get to see his face because it's kind it's of constantly covered with his helm. But you see like there's like there's purplish like uh, so you know he's going to be deformed and look like some sort of. monster he looks like a zombie
1: or something. I would say, <clears throat> um, which I do want to. The atonement in the book actually is just a little bit different. Mm. Um, so it is very graphic in the book, just like you said. Like she's spit on, she's you know never actually like beaten, but you know you just like you said, it, it's funny because you yeah fill it up for a little last time malice yeah little malice the, the little a chalice. little, little, little sure. dilly dilly absolutely my brother um, but yeah she just like you said it's really the first time you feel bad for Cersei hmm. so just Cersei. Just because how dirty she is and completely embarrassed and, and crying and destroyed. And in the books, it, it's even more detailed as far as it's not as much about Loris. It's more about the High Sparrow, like I was saying, further, uh, I think last episode, um, he was trying to get a confession for Ned's execution. Mm-hmm. And he is constantly hounding her about, you know, you executed Ned, you executed Ned, you executed Ned. Meanwhile, they're like, shame, shame, shame. And it describes her as she's walking, like completely dirty, disgusting, spit on, hair's completely shaved. Uh, it's got cuts everywhere. Remember she steps on remember the glass.
0: Her, her feet at the end? Like, I, yeah, wow, that's on
1: the glass in the show. Yeah, you're right. Just completely was so
0: sad. That's the first thing that, I, that, like, Cameron said, like, I need to take a look at those feet. Like, mm-hmm. that was like, it
1: was real bad. Yeah. But, uh, the big thing about this that's different is as she's walking, it describes her as she's so completely hallucinating because how beaten, tired, and broken she is. She is actually envisioning three people as she's walking. And over and over, she envisions uh, Ned over and over dying. She envisions, envisions Robert, both of them with their heads cut off. And then she envisions uh, Lady, the one she decided to kill. The, and then dog, at, the uh, die wolf? Yeah, and then at the very end, she envisions Tywin before her atonement's over. Yeah. So it really makes you wonder, as far as the books goes. Really interesting on why she would be ha- have a, v- a vision of Robert
0: Baratheon with his head cuff. He was never, yeah. his, he was never decapitated.
1: I mean, I think it just makes you. I mean, all, I the, can't all, all the deaths that she's like, responsible completely. for. I know, I know she it. envisions Ned, but I mean, yeah, I
0: think that maybe they, they took a uh,
1: like a metaphor for all, all the deaths that yeah. she's responsible for. And Tywin, it at the end there, it makes you almost wonder, like. Yes, yeah, she's responsible for these deaths, but she still almost carried, like, cared more about pleasing Tywin than herself. Mm, I, I
0: actually think that it's a it's a more of a metaphor for she was even responsible for die, Tywin's death. And let me tell you why I think so. She falsely accused Tyrion of killing Joffrey. If Tyrion's not accused and doesn't go through that trial and get sentenced to death and has that battle and is going to die, Tyrion never escapes and never kills his father. So really, the whole string of events on why Tywin's even gone is because Cersei was so hell-bent on killing Tyrion, wanting Tyrion to pay for Joffrey's death. So I think it's her envisioning every single life that she's responsible for ending.
1: That makes sense.
0: So that yeah. she was responsible for having Robert Brathian over drunk while hunting the boar, responsible for Ned Stark being captured, even though was Joffrey ended up taking his head. Like, it never would have happened if you know, Cersei didn't go through her actions, and then Lady she's like well we got another dire wolf here let's kill this wolf and then obviously Taiwan like you know that whole thing I I think that was it it's like all the deaths that she feels responsible for so it's almost like that walk of atonement kind of worked in a way yeah it did you know what I mean so do you think they should
1: have showed that 100% yes Yes.
0: they should have showed that in the film that's a big 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 moment yeah Talk about big, big moments. We're going to come up on one of the biggest ones here in just a second, but one before, this one more bullet point before we get to the biggest shock in the ending of season five. Um, Davos like is, is Sir Davos just in there arguing with Jon Snow, like, oh, you know, he saved you guys' life. He's like, Jon's like, listen, we don't have enough men to make a difference in Stannis' war. It's not right. going to matter. And while they're kind of verbally going back and forth about, you know, whether they should oh, send them, if, like, if they should send them or not, like, who appears back in Castle Black? Melisandre walks through the doors, and guys, I'm telling you, now pay attention. I've watched enough shows where a lot of things are very, easily predicted. For me, uh, you know, I'm not going. We're not going to talk about this at all. But I knew something was going to happen when Melisandre comes back into the camp because she could have gone anywhere. Why did she choose to go back to Castle Black? She was needed for something there. I knew exactly what was going to happen, <laughs> even though you know, uh, everyone yeah. else was super flabbergasted by the very, very end of this. But. I had a big, big feeling. There's no reason for Melisandre to be there unless it was for what I thought it was for, and it was. But um, she walks in, and then basically they all go down, and he's like, you know, what happened? And she won't even say a word. Like, you know, it's like, it's like he asked, they asked about Santa's in the army. She just is, is is desolate. She doesn't say a single word at all. And then Dallas is like, what about the princess, Shireen? And she just looks at him and just looks down, like ashamed to meet his gaze, like, like. That point in time, like, obviously she's not going to admit that she burned Shireen, right? right? Like, it was all her. But it, it's very interesting that um, she went back there and, uh, like, she could have gone anywhere. And I think that's exactly why, you know, her, her Lord, like, Lord of Light, like, failed her for the first time. All the vision. she thought she was seeing the fire, she thought she was this all-knowing prophet. And he, like, like she was taught a big lesson there. You know, like, the person she thought was the prince that was promised you know, defeated in the battlefield, killed a whole army gone. And on top of that, she like burned a child and like, she knew Sir Davos was yeah. not going to stand for that. So she didn't even answer him. Yeah. You know, so all that happens. And so that kind of made the whole argument between John and Sir Davos like meet, uh, move point because he doesn't need to send any more people. He doesn't need to send the people or supplies now because they're all gone and dead. Right. So anyways, John goes back to his, his, um, his quarters and, uh, who like all of a sudden he gets this urgent like knock on the door. And Ali runs in super, super like amped up. Like, you know, Lord Commander, Lord Commander. There was a wildling that came in from from Hardhome and uh he says he knows your Uncle Benjamin, that he's still that uh, he's still alive. And he's like, How do you know it's my Uncle Benjamin? He's like, He said he was First Ranger. Yeah. And so like at that point in time, Johnny runs out there. He's like, Oh my goodness, like, we're finally gonna figure out like what happened to like like uh, his Uncle Benjamin. He gets out there and Alice Thorne meets him, he's like He's like, it's a wildling, says he knows your, your uncle, and I, or we can find him, he saw him less than a moon ago, which means like a month. And he's like, well, he could be lying. He's like, yeah, he could be. And so he like pushes his way through the crowd that's gathered around this, uh, this informant, mm-hmm. and he looks at it, and he realizes this is a post that says, traitor. And he turns around, because he starts to realize he just walked into a trap. He turns around, and Alice is the first one with a knife, stabs him right in the stomach, and says, for the watch. And I counted, I even have it right here, he was stabbed by six people. Six people. Which is weird because when we go into what happens later on, we won't talk about it now, um, it's very strange that, well, who gets justice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was stabbed very by six people, like, I counted that. Um, but the last one, it was really heartbreaking because it was by Ollie, someone that John was trying to groom to become, you know, almost, he was like a father figure to Ollie. Yeah, and was. Ollie, like, had is he hesitant, but at the same time, he was like, you know, these wildlings killed my whole family, everything yeah. that I knew. And so he kind of made his choice and stabbed John in the heart, the last one to stab. It. And the last thing that we see and to close out uh, Season 5, and it really closed us out here tonight, uh, John Snow lying in, the, uh, lying in the snow, dying with the pool of blood just surrounding him.
1: And it describes in the books, as Ollie takes that last stab, it says, quote, unquote, uh, is was vis- visibly producing steam in the freezing air as he removed the knife. The wound was smoky. And as we see in the show, remember John's just laying there with his hair sprawled out, eyes completely dead open, all the stabs, and it, like, yeah. literally like the blood
0: is pooling around him.
1: Pooling yeah. around, and it just kind of rises. The camera fades completely out of him. And I remember watching this when it happened, and you're this was finally at the point you Starks... You know, you get somewhat of revenge. John's starting to take a hold. And then you're just like... Well, man! <laughs> you, got, we can't not again. Yeah. you can't catch a break.
0: Can't catch a break. Sansa's getting abused over Winterfell. Arya just lost her eyesight. And John gets there, like, what's going on with the Starks again? Like, yeah. what bad car did the Starks do to deserve all exactly. these things? But, um, but, yeah, so... That's going to close us out for this episode here, guys. So, thanks for sticking with us through a three part episode for season five. Again, you know what this covered season five did it covered all of season five of the TV series and it covered all of the Feast for Crows and a good first part of Dance with Dragons. And thank you guys for sticking all the way through it. We know it was a long one, but you guys see it took us six hours to get through everything to to do in total, right? So, really, really important, uh, you know, and yeah, thanks again guys for, for again for sticking with us you know kind of seeing what we're doing here and uh you know again if you can if you haven't already uh you know tell your friends about us if you know you've got they've got like fantasy fans who haven't heard about us we'd love to have new viewers uh like comment subscribe so follow us on our, our social media pages we're everywhere now we're on all of the podcasts uh the, the big areas, you know, we've got iTunes covered, Apple Podcasts, we've got Google Play, uh, Radio, IR Radio we got Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher. Uh, so Podbean, our main like Literally, we've got... A cast. we got literally uh, everywhere. So yeah. there's, especially what's going on, like, you know, no one ever wants to, uh, you know, be a part of what's going on. But if we're going to be stuck inside for a while and kind of like, you know, um, not going to be out and around as much if you guys got some time. To, you know, tune in to us, if you tell, tell your friends, you know, if you guys all together and they haven't heard of us, we'd love to have new viewers, we love, you know, interacting with the yeah, audience, love it. And so...
1: One thing um, we uh, really do appreciate is we've noticed, like, people have started watching our YouTube channel, too, Yes, which is yep. good, so...
0: Started to get some good stuff there, but... And so. even
1: feedback, we love your feedback and support, we
0: do notice that. Oh, and we, yeah, we've started getting a lot of feedback, too, and, you know, yeah. and loving the ratings that you guys are giving us, it means a lot I to mean. us, so uh, you know, thanks a lot for that. Keep that up. And, you know, we, we hope to get, uh, some more and we hope to get to answer everybody's, um, comments and, you know, reviews. And if you have any questions or if you want to, you know, to rise a topic yourself of debate, we'd, we'd love to break it down. So, you know, we, we're out there. You can send us in uh, your direct messages on Instagram, send us private messages on Facebook. Uh, you know, we, we email. got the email as well. <laughs> yeah. So guys, uh, we're, we're looking forward to continuing to grow with you. Thanks for, you know, growing with us. And, you know, those of you who have been there since the very, very start, uh, you guys we're all mean the most crazy. to us. So, yeah, let's go ahead and close them out today, my man. Yeah,
1: man. So, as you know, this is uh, the Ridiculous Crew. Has no rhymes. <laughs> now it's in the chalice, Now it's in the
0: chalice, baby. baby. It's been a ridiculous production of, you know, Factor Fantasy with Chase and Josh. Signing off.